Um, this is my new T-shirt. This is the uh, gas mask chimpanzee What's higher it? primate T-shirt. You can't see it. Yeah, but now you know for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, now you know for the rest of the podcast what the fuck I'm wearing. Uh, but we have uh, three new designs in at Higher Primate. And uh, <coughs> there's also... What are you laughing at, man? It's not funny. Am I allowed to talk or no? But yeah. yeah. You oh, can okay, do whatever shit. the fuck you want, son. Oh, you David Tell. No, I was going to say, what's the difference between the serotonin and the melatonin? Melatonin is melatonin. what puts you to sleep. Yeah. Melatonin is what relaxes what you do. and puts you to sleep. Yeah, that's great before sleep, too. Yeah. Uh, serotonin is what actually makes you feel happy. Oh, okay. Yeah, like okay. dopamine, serotonin. So You're taking the wrong one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just sleep now, all the time. Now I get it. Okay. Well, you have like a little tip to your filter, like a little, this is Hunter S. Thompson for 2012. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to shoot you. Lugers out in the parking lot? <laughs> I would. I would love to. Is that, for, is that for your teeth? Is that why you do it? I do it for my teeth, and I'm also trying to stop smoking, so like I figure the further I get away from the cigarette, the more I will. You need to get a real legit I need like Hunter actually someone to one. smoke it for me, and I just do the second hand. <laughs> but yeah, um, you guys are very fucking observant. Yeah, we're on top of the ball. <laughs> That's not the way you're supposed to say it. We're on the ball. We say we're on top of the we're ball. We're on top okay. of the ball. Pumping it. Fucking show, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't start until I hear music. It doesn't officially start until Brian cues the track. And then, then we move. Joe Rogan Podcast. Check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day. Joe Rogan Podcast by night. All day. Powerful David Tell. What's up? My brother. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jim. Dude, this please. Is, uh, this it's is a pleasure. Every time I come to L.A., I'm always hoping, like, can I hang with Joe? And we're doing it. Thank you. Thank you for doing it, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the coolest things about being a professional comedian is you get to hang out with other professional comedians. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> I talked to Stanhope once, and oh. he, was, uh, he was drunk, of course. And uh, That's he, he was That's our Dougie. He <laughs> was just like, he got back from the road. And he was like, you know what, man? He goes, I could quit stand-up, but I couldn't quit hanging out with stand-ups. Yeah, That's, That's how I feel, too, man. I mean, it's uh, we're so lucky that we have. I, I couldn't imagine if I had a deal with like if I had just worked with a bunch of people who weren't funny and hung out with only a bunch of people who weren't funny. Oh, it would drag. Oh, such a drag. So, is there anything worse than non-funny people? Well, I, I just know that every time I talk to Doug, who we both think is amazing, yeah, he's half in the bag and he's at an airport bar. <laughs> he's like the last yeah. airport bar drunk I know <laughs> in America. Yeah, so. he doesn't play. <laughs> I don't, but I would, the people who aren't funny don't get offended. I don't mean if you're yeah, not, I mean exactly. if you're not funny and you try to be funny. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than that. If you're not funny, you just got to accept that shit. Although that's bullshit, really, because how the <laughs> fuck do you ever become funny? I mean, you got to, everyone was not funny at one time. Yeah, well, you know? I think so now really, it's I'm harder. A hypocrite. It's harder because of the phones. Everybody's on their phone all the time. So there's like very little connection. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like looking at stuff and tweeting. You think it's harder to be funny today than it, is, it was back in the day? I don't know. I think that like for me personally, my funny stemmed from a lot of awkward situations where I was like, how the fuck am I going to get out of this? Right. And then like, I said something and they laughed and then I fucking bolted. So I don't know about you, <laughs> but that really helped me in my earlier years of like, hey, it's good to have a sense of humor, you know? Yeah. And oh, then yeah. unless you can become a comic, then you realize there's other guys like that, you know? Yeah. And then like, like, you know, we kind of all gelled together. And we also have, like, a perspective on things that a lot of other people don't. Like, a lot of people are looking for, like, happiness and fulfillment and closure. And yeah. Like, I think as a comic, you kind of, like, roll with the way things are and just see the humor in it, you know? Yeah. So I also, at this point, I feel like I have this a massive obligation to c continue to put out 
material. You know, when you yes. have fans and you really appreciate them and they tell you, oh, my God, we have the best time. We love you. You know, Keith, don't ever stop doing this. Like, wow. All right. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop. I got to I gotta. I work harder for, because of it. I mean, I used to not believe that when people used to say that, you know, that they do it for their fans. But you really have to. That's the only way you can do it. You got to do it for them. It's like, well, how cool is it when a guy comes up to you and says, like, dude, I love this joke or like, you know, you didn't do that joke that I love. And like, it's like joke that yeah. you like. And you're like, oh, man, there is a reason to do this. Yeah. Somebody somebody's listening. You know, I like that. Do you still love stand up the art form? Do you still like watching it? Well, you know, we I think we went to this last time. It's like I don't consider myself an artist. I mean, I consider pretty much everybody else I know an artist to some degree, but I have very few tools in my toolbox. And one of them is midget and dick jokes. And I, <laughs> that tool has really been used a lot. So it doesn't matter. I don't know. I feel like I'm more tricky than I am, like, funny. And, like, oh, uh, I so do sick. take a lot of chances, but I don't really I, – I don't know. I, I feel like after doing it 26 years that I should have it more together than I do. And <laughs> I don't, you know? You know, uh, Stanhope used you as an example in saying why – there was someone what was not to do teaching uh, someone was teaching uh, a comedy class and he was talking about how confidence is like one of the most important things you have to know you're funny and then he used you as an example he said that is the dumbest fucking example ever it's not true there's yeah. no like hard fast rules because look at a towel you know yeah, he's not funny. brilliant and <laughs> never believes it I don't yeah, you don't I, believe it but you're one of my favorite comedians well I, I really come at it from the point of like I work really off of negativity, so I think that that's that's kind of like my zone. That's so where you like have my power, to. my you know uh, Iron Man <laughs> fucking thing in my chest. So. so you have to hate even your own act in order oh, for it to work. <laughs> there's so much hate. <laughs> I have to fly in a day early to pick up all the hate that I that I know I have. In, uh, what does that come uh, from? What does it all come? I don't from? know. I mean, it's like you know, first of all, like a you know, it, it's kind of a great. Uh, gig if you do hate yourself because you're alone so much like standing in front of an airport chain smoking in like yeah. 30 degree weather uh, San Francisco uh, where it was uh, there's nothing but like reevaluating your life your act you know the mistakes all that kind of shit so I think it's like perfect for me you know I mean I, I don't know how you you roll with like a very cool crowd of like excellent fans really you know you call your own shots and I just look up to you man I mean I'd bow to you but I'd probably end up blowing you so. <laughs> well that, that's ridiculous because too I early in the to podcast you too, man. You're, you're one of my favorite comedians there's well, uh, only a few guys that I will go out of my way to see and you, you're, you're certainly one of them oh thanks man but one of the things that we do different than anybody else is that we go on the road with each other like yeah. we, we bring like if we go on the road, it's Brian, it's me, it's Ari, it's Duncan, it's Joey. Mm -hmm. You know, we bring our it's a family. That's it's your, like that's essentially a family. Yeah. So if we go to eat, I mean, we go to eat a fucking thousand times a year. You know, it's yeah, normal. that's great. Mostly it's, all Fogo to Chow. <laughs> yeah, we've eaten at uh, Fogo to Chow's in almost every city in the country. <laughs> you know those Brazilian steakhouses? Have you ever eaten no, at Fogo I've, to I've Chow? No, I've never. I, hit me to oh, it. What is it? Oh, it's the most amazing creation of, of culinary excellence. Mm -hmm. They give you like a little uh, puck, like a hockey puck, puck looking a thing. Food of meat. No, no, no. This is a, um, it, it's, it's it's a, like a coaster. Like, yeah, a coaster, yeah. Okay. And it's green on one side and mm -hmm. red on the other side. And when it's green, they keep coming with oh, the meat. I see. I, yeah, oh, I've been to one of those, but in Brazil. Oh, in Brazil, yeah. 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 It's called a churrascaria. Wow. Yeah. And they come, they come with just fucking skewers of meat that's cooked over mm. open flames. So I didn't know you were a meat oh. guy. I thought, I thought you were like, you know, like very organic and, you know, all that kind well, of stuff. Well, I eat mostly grass-fed meat. Okay. My goal is to ultimately eat grass-fed meat and, and game. I want to. I want game, to eat really? wild game. Yeah, like, I what would be your ultimate healthy. animal to eat? Like, of all the deer. animals that ever lived, deer, delicious. No, but and of there's... all the ones that ever lived. 
Oh, like if I could go back in time. Yeah, like have, a dinosaur. Or yeah, I would like, like to have a dinosaur steak. Could you imagine what a T Rex steak would be like? Like T Rex tenderloins, pterodactyl oh, wings. Mm. <laughs> well, you can eat alligators. Yeah, I mean, people eat alligators on a regular basis. The swamp people. Oh yeah, they eat it all the yeah. time for breakfast. I think. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> I've had it. It's not bad. It's not. They say it tastes like chicken. It definitely. It no, does. It tastes like, like alligator. So yeah. t- that's what alligator tastes like. It's like evil, just swampy. Just it's an evil fucking. It's a dinosaur, isn't it? Angry monster. Yeah. yeah it's like the panda of the dinosaurs. It was They're like two hundred million years old in that shape. They haven't changed. Wow. So, so they were. They existed more than a hundred and thirty years before the big uh, asteroid hit that killed all the dinosaurs. Yeah. They would. They had already been around one hundred and thirty million years in this form. Shit. So we see them wandering around. They're like the rats of the, the water world, <laughs> the lizard world. Yeah, they'll eat anything, right? Oh, they'll monsters. just eat anything. They're monsters. What's they, even scarier than them is that they got pythons in, um, in, in Florida. Yeah. Like going through the alligator areas now. Feral, wild. Yeah. And now the pythons have started eating alligators. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Now, There's that would be an ultimate He's fight. He's got a photo. Pull, pull up the python eating the alligator. We've, we've talked about this in the podcast before because it's just the most crazy thing ever. These, these snakes have no natural predators. I would have so, bet on the alligator. See, I would have thought that. so, too. I would have I I thought no matter how big the fucking snake is, it's not going to eat an alligator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but a the, snake is like all just fucking nothing, no bones, but no they're nothing. But so, snakes are so gangster. Yeah. Snakes do not give a fuck. And the they python, sneak up on an alligator. he's not poisonous. He's just a rapper. He yeah, wraps around crushes you. crushes you and bites you. That's the point. Look at that. See that? That's, oh shit! That's a twenty-foot python with the alligator coming out of its body. The oh tail, my god! The tail burst through the body, and the thing died. Oh fuck! That Look is at just, the size of that thing. That thing is fucking enormous. I mean, it's really hard to imagine how big that must be in real life. If you were out there on that water, it's a, it's a wide around like a man's waist. It's fucking huge. If I that would be the ultimate like Christmas card to send to somebody you hate. <laughs> Thinking of you. May your alligator your get eaten by something. a python. Your agent. Yeah. Your agent. It's we have this weird thing about keeping those fucks alive too. There's these people in Florida right now that are working really hard to uh, bring back the crocodile, the American crocodile. Well, isn't that the alligator? No, the crocodile is a different species. It's more aggressive. Oh. They they have a oh. longer, pointier <laughs> snout, <laughs> and they're they're more aggressive and explosive. And one of them just ate a dog in the Keys, in the Florida Keys. That just is the worst. Pulled a dog off a dock. Losing a dog to a, a croc, that's yeah, going to be the worst. a but monster. In, but in Australia, that's going to happen like every three every minutes or well, something. Well, they have scarier crocs. They have the big crocs. American yeah. crocs are not that big. What isn't scary in aggressive. Australia? Yeah, right? I mean, really, honestly. You go in the ocean, there's the great yeah. white. You, you're hanging out, there's an alligator. Then there's the dogs, the dingoes. Yeah. Wow, it just stinks. Yeah, Australia. <laughs> and you can only live in a certain part of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, the whole middle kind of sucks. The whole middle's death. It's yeah. just fucking Ooh. the bush. It's just death. <laughs> but that, what a great place to disappear. There's got to be like no cell phone service there. Yeah, if you wanted, if you were like some dude who could survive and you, you were down with uh, trying to, to live in the woods, like, yeah. you could escape to Australia and they wouldn't even go looking for you. They'd be like, Pfft. Well, Joe, man, I was in the, uh, New York during the, uh, you know, the uh, Hurricane Sandy and we were talking this a little bit before the show, but like you got to doomsday prep. I mean, like, unfortunately, I prepped for the wrong doomsday. Right. But, uh, Which one did you prep for? Um, I don't know. Uh, invasion of clowns. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I prepped for a good one. <laughs> a good one, but annoying. Like, clowns would be everywhere, and we have to fight them off with, like, water guns and stuff Condom like that. rappers. Yeah, That's exactly. Hilarious. But this was, like, just fucking, it was, like, apocalyptic. It really was. That's hilarious. I mean, um, ooh, no did power. You ex- did you expect 
it to be like that or was it way crazier than you expected you know the thing about new york though is since 9 11 like our first responders are like top notch they mm. really like step up they know what they do they got plans and all that kind of stuff right. but nobody i guess expected like new york city uh tsunami like wave hitting us knocking out power for mm. like two weeks and then there's like staten island in jersey where they got it even harder but uh, you take the power out of New York City and you got Somalia, basically. It's just yeah. a freaky, weird, scary town, you know? Yeah, it's really strange when you see how easy the, the, the film that covers civilization can be mm -hmm. removed and people power. are savage. It just becomes it, survival. Real, you really have to worry about survival because the first responders are excellent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they're but great. They're overwhelmed. There's just yeah. the sheer numbers impossible to deal with. There was parts of the city where, like, I was just walking around and it was just dark. And, like, guys would roll up on you like you can't see them. And I'm pretty good, like, like knowing what's happening. Mm -hmm. And guys would roll up on me and I'm like, whoa, this is like a Chuck Norris. You know that scene in every Chuck Norris movie where he's, like, in the factory? Right, and right, it's like, right. you know, a box knocks over. Yeah. It was like that kind of thing. Like, just weird, scary faces and just sounds. And yeah, what is it like to walk around a street at night with no gun. lights on at Say all? It. No gun. No gun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Fuck, what am I going to find him with? Sarcasm? What's going so, on here? So you were, you were walking like mm -hmm. to where you had to go, to and fro in your neighborhood, and right. there was no lights on for days. No lights. It, I, where I lived, there was lights. But when you like, we did shows at the Commie Cellar, which is in the village. They had no lights up until almost the last day. And we were doing shows to generators, which is kind of cool in a way, but bad because it went out when I was on. But uh, oh, it went out, and all these flashlights and candles started popping out of the crowd. It was like that scene in Requiem for a Dream. You know that scene like where they're like, ass to ass, the flashlights yeah, on the check yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was really, it was really a freaky show, but it was a good show. But when you're walking <laughs> around the streets, you're like, okay, this is like, you know, what do I, what can I fight whoever comes at me with, with a weapon? And there's a lot of like homeless people coming off of their meds too. So there's like, they oh, have like the fuck. extra evil in them, you know? Oh, that's right. Because they can't get their meds because mm -hmm. there's no power. Yeah, oh. It was like zombie style. It was zombie. It was a walking dead kind of oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. That's scary as fuck. Now, was there a lot of that? Like, like was there a lot of muggings? Was there a lot of? Or I was think it there like was. There was some looting. There was some whatever. But it wasn't like Katrina because I talked to guys who were in Katrina and they're like, you know, everybody's like, this is our Katrina. It's like, fuck no. This is like Katrina was like the end of the earth. That was yeah. the end of the world there. That was like weeks and weeks and weeks, no help, you know, yeah. and no power and it was hot and all that stuff. In New York, it was a little bit better than that. That's for sure. So It's I can't better say than that, but it's still, it, it, was lets, bad. it lets you know what can go wrong in the biggest city in the world. Yeah, exactly. And when that happens, when the biggest city in the world gets essentially shut down for two mm -hmm. weeks, that's a real eye opener. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like people trying to get into the city and they had to do, you know, like buses and all the trains were like, exactly like Somebody should kayak through these tunnels just to do it, like to say, like, I did it. I didn't even think uh, about what it must be like at night with no power. Oh, I didn't even think about it. It must scary. have been so I would have strange. stayed inside. I yeah. would not have left. Well, you kind of, it's kind of like, how do you see where you're going? It's scary. Sam. Unless it's a full moon. How do you see where you're going? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, the scariest thing I saw was when I was, like, driving around, like, I was in a cab. And uh, cabs, by the way, were, like, incredibly hard to get at that point, but... Uh, there was like a candle in a window of a project. And I'm like, this is what it's going to look like after a nuclear winter. Like just like one holdout guy in a, in a project somewhere like, um, you know, like Charlton Heston in the, right. you know, in the Omega Man kind of thing. And, you know, uh, I was like, this is it. This is what it looks like, you know.
Right. I was, I was, it freaked, it freaked a lot of people out, but then I think the gas thing freaked them out even more. The fact they couldn't get gas for their generators and cars and shit. They were online for like 12, 15 hours. Yeah. I uh, talked to a friend who said he was online. It was two 30 in the afternoon. He had been there to, since six in the morning and he still yeah. hadn't gotten gas oh, yet. Easily, easily. Yeah. That's crazy. We never, we never, I don't think even the, uh, government, local, whatever state thought like there's going to be a gas problem, you know, and nobody was ready. So. Wow, wow. You need that gas for the generators too. So, Jesus Christ! Especially yeah. in the place. Am I bringing like everyone down? But it was it no, was bad. Did no, you get any bad. material from it at all? Oh yeah, I got tons. I mean, like uh, you know, the whole idea of like uh, you know, basically uh, doing uh, shows to, like in New York, like the top of the line, like guys who who pull the most pwn are like you know the hedge fund guys, you know the club DJ, you know the male model who's you know bi or whatever. But that week it was all like Renaissance fair skills, like candle maker, blacksmith, you know, any guy who could hook a bike up to a light, you know, he would get like you know uh, definitely at least the reach around you I know watch that yukon man show have you ever seen that yeah. show? those they, shows are important they man. have uh generators that work on water flow oh. so they take a generator they set it up at their camp they have a fish camp and they put this generator they, they set it up and then they attach these tubes to it and they stick the tubes in the creek and the water coming down the creek goes through the tubes and by the time it you know, it focuses in this one area. It spins this thing around and starts a generator. I want that. I it's want to get that. It's fucking crazy. I yeah. watch it. He pulls the cord and it's going on. Wow. He's got electricity 100% from the creek spinning this generator. So as long as this generator keeps working, he had his lights on and the whole, the whole yeah. thing. It's crazy. And that really is the one thing that you need is like power, you know? Yeah. It really is the one thing that separates us from animals. Well, we've somehow or another just accepted that that's going to be around. Even though it's only been here for 150 years or whatever the hell it's been, mm -hmm. we're so used to it. You know, a million years of human beings and uh, 150 years of power. We're just like, that's how we do it. We got power. I could see myself going to my ex-girlfriend's house and just hanging out because she would have like all the candles in the world. Like, yeah, <laughs> girls. Yes, canned girls. soup. The amount of candles a girl has is directly proportionate to exactly how long she will cry after you have sex with her. <laughs> but yeah, girls were prepped a little bit harder than dudes. Yeah. Candles, yeah. Mentos, you know. There's like 30 candles. That bitch is going to cry for Lip a while. Lip balm is petroleum-based, you know, whatever. <laughs> girl shit. Yep. But, uh, yeah, they have a lot of different things to help you in survival situations. Exactly. And I'll tell you, you know who really did not step up for this crisis? The dogs of New York City. Because, like, every other person in New York has a dog, but it's all these faggoty-ass little dogs. Right. You know, so, like, they've been genetically built all the cool, like, wolf qualities that would have helped were, were gone. So they're like, what Slay. are we going to do? Well, Give then, me food. Were you yeah. there when the snow hit afterwards? No, I was already out of there. But that was like a one-two punch of, like, sadness. What the fuck, man? A blizzard. I, and the, the really scary thing is that they're saying, um, well, who's the governor, Cuomo? Andrew Cuomo? Yes. Yeah, he's he, a good guy, though. He seems like a good guy. He said something really interesting. He said, I don't want to use the term climate change. I'm, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing him because it's such a loaded topic. He said, but... You know, his father had to deal with, in 12 years, he had to deal with two major storm events. Right. And he's like, I've been here for 12 months, and I've had to deal with three. Wow. You know, so he's sure. saying, like, there's, it's very possible something's going on. I think there's definitely something going on. No, and, that's never happened in New York before. Well, you know, uh, a buddy of mine, I, I assume you know him too, uh, Big J Okerson. Yes. He's a great guy. I know comic. of him. Don't you know, know of him. him. Okay, yeah. You probably haven't worked with him yet, but really funny guy. He's toured with me a couple times. His house was wiped out. He was like in the flood flood zone, zone A or whatever. <sighs> and, uh, you know, it really is weird, like, when a flood comes at your house. So I'm lucky. I, like, lived up, you know, 
up in that skyscrapers. But the scary part about that is like if the power goes out, then you're like kind of kind of stuck up there until like yeah. you know you know whatever happens. So you're stuck up there until the water drains out. Exactly. You know, it's That's like scary you know, shit. A skeleton. You know, basically. Yeah. In a no pile food. of porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe in the theory that it was a terrorist attack. You think made, so? <laughs> and I think all the terrorists are now hot weather ladies with beards. Uh, Neptune Laden. <laughs> yeah. Well, your first part made sense. The second part, <laughs> just like your Hitler cat with a fucking dynamite strapped to his chest. I don't know what you're trying Chapman. to do there. And a lot it's, of people were just basically milling around. A lot of like fires you know on the street like people making fires and cooking right. out on the street right which i think they should allow them to do oh hell yeah you know, you know why I mean? not like people, you know keep a sense of uh social exactly connectedness you but know? yeah well it's, it was bad were, were there food shortages at, at supermarkets great question shit? yes like the first night like everybody prepped in terms of like you better buy milk and bread they always say that <laughs> milk and bread for all the, uh, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, French toast that we make, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, the next day, you know, you're like, okay, there'll be more. Nothing. There was nothing left. All the people from downtown who didn't have access to food came uptown like a horde. And, like, no, uh, no, uh, whatchamacallit, it was good that they did it because they had no food. And they uh, kind of swept through all the bodegas and stuff like that. So it was, like, wiped out, you know? Wow. That must have been strange. Yeah, I mean, like you always assume in America there's going to be food, you know? The other thing is the cell phone towers were down, Down. So even if you had a cell phone, you couldn't call anybody. My friend Tommy said he he drove six hours to make a cell phone call. He had to just drive around until he could find service. But it was six hours before. That's crazy. Coco had service, though. Did you see the video she was posting of her like in the rain with like... Who's Coco? Ice T's wife. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> well, she has special bling service. <laughs> yeah, you know? bling service. She yeah. had cell phone service? Yeah, she had cell phone service and she was just posting these awesome videos of her in the hurricane, like rain hitting her while she's wearing like no, no clothes. She's oh, like, God. oh, it's so rainy outside. <laughs> it's great. That's, That's like hilarious. a video. That's hilarious. A rap video. Yeah. A wet t shirt Expl- exploration. It was an entire wet t shirt contest. And like Jersey, you played uh, Atlantic City many times, right? Um, I've only played it a couple times. Okay, because that, that place without power is fucking scary. Oh, dude. Atlantic City is that- terrifying with power. <laughs> it really is. It's a strange place. It really is. Because that whole area around Atlantic City is dark. I mean, that's yeah. That's a scary, fucking depressed area. The last thing you ever want to do is be uh, a young black kid growing up in Camden. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's a, that's a fucking bad part of the country right now but i have to say i don't know if the if the governor or whatever told you to like evacuate would you do it i mean well it all depends on how much money you have that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is some people can't evacuate there's nothing they can do they right. can't go anywhere right i mean yeah we have to accept the fact that there's been a bunch of these <laughs> massive sure. events is that coco yeah look yeah. at this <laughs> Look behind you, Joe. It's it's liver. That She's is the most. I'm reporting. That is the most ridiculous. <laughs> that really is ridiculous. <laughs> She's wearing with these bags just, of water. She's like, look at my boobs. How wet they are. That's her tropical storm outfit. It's crazy. She must be awesome to have conversations. Oh, with. dude, I love Poor this girl. No wonder why Ice T is always playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He plays video games and he's like, come over here with this body. She has the. You uh, love her body. I love. I love the fi- uh, that fake butt. When I was in Dayton, there was a Do girl really with a like fake that? butt. you really like that? I think it's the next boob for real. Uh, she, this girl in Dayton, uh, stripper, had a fake butt, and it was like the double D's of fake butts. It was so amazing looking. Hmm. She looked like a cartoon character. Is that what? Does that affect the way they sent? Uh, no, she sat 
really well. Can she dirt bike? Can she dirt bike ride? No, and she let me. She let me feel them, like because I was. I yeah. wanted to see if I could feel like a fake boob. It just felt like butt, because I guess there's so much fat back there. Yeah, there's mm. a lot of fat to hide the implants behind. Wow. So it felt like a fake butt, and each one looked like a triple. Double D boob, like a humongous boob. Like you could put a drink on top of it. If well, you wow. don't. That's the latest thing in porno movies, right? Like, yeah, you, you see that a lot. Is the fake butts now? Yeah, well, I forget what they call that, but it, it, yeah, the bedunk, you know, make it the booty uh, reboot. I guess you would call it. <laughs> but yeah, isn't it amazing that the shape of the ass has that much of an effect on us? It's monkey jeans. It's, it's more even than like than their personality. Like, a, a girl with a nice personality, and she turns around, and her ass is just ridiculous. Like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It's like Do you like shape. a big one, or what do you like? Oh, yeah. I love, you like, I like a big, big yeah, ass. big I like a, a shapely tone. Like, see, like, here's a... Look at round, this. Fake butt. Ass. I mean, that's, that's oh, what that's, it looked that's like. That's too much. But hers that's was nice. a little bit bigger than that. That might be real, bro. No, this is She's called black. fake butt. That looks like it's, it's pointing. fake bloods. Oh, that... Oh, <laughs> oh okay. that's... Okay, somebody photoshopped that shit. Yeah. No, when we were doing the uh, porn show, you and me, Joe, like you were one of our amazingly greatest guests. Uh, we were kind of, uh, you know, I think uh, had a difference of opinion with this. Dave's Old Porn is the show. Yeah. It's on Showtime, and uh, it's uh, Dave and his friends sitting around watching uh, videos of old porn from, right. the, from and you the were golden era. One of the ultimate, you were the uh, <laughs> Hawkeye of the Last of the Mohicans of porn, dude. You know what you're doing. I know too much. <laughs> you really it's knew embarrassing. it. embarrassing. Taja Ray, you kept throwing that yeah. name out, and I was like, holy shit. I had to like go through my porn you know, head to find out. It was like, excellent, so thank you. There were so many. And your show's Thursday. Your yeah, Thursday you're at episode. 11. Your episode's Thursday, Joe's episode. Yeah. Yeah, this, this week, Joe and Ginger Lynn. Showtime. Who, for some reason, Joe, you know her. She, well, she did my uh, first CD. Oh. She did an introduction to this uh, song that I wrote. Yeah, she's... It was on my first CD. She's cool, man. She's very nice. She's a, she's she used to come around the comedy store all the time. Really? That's, yeah, that's how I knew her. Well, she's a very nice person. Her body, by the way, Ginger Lynn's body, I think is perfect. Yeah, I mean, well, back in the day, I, you couldn't get much better. She was like, she looked like she was athletic when she was younger, mm -hmm. but she's just, she was just like curvy, yeah, but not too big. And she had an amazing body. Amazing. She really did. I mean, like her, her rack is like, I guess you could say it's like a B or something yeah, like that. Perfect though. But like, it totally fits with her body and her yeah. face. She's just like a little angel. It was really, it's, <sighs> she that was, was a hard edit, episode to edit. You know, she, she was a lot of breaks. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was, was not jerking up to you, but I was semi-turgid while you it. were on the screen. But there's a lot of hard, a lot of hard work there. Um, it's kind of a funny show because you have us and the like. What we're si we're sitting on the couch, and the couch will like grow or shrink depending yeah. on where the genitals are in the scene. Mm -hmm. So the <laughs> so that's what it is. The couch is like covering the sex organs while they're doing it and then we're commenting on the, on the video it was fun dude i really you, enjoyed it you of course knowing porn so well you brought up something that a lot of guys have problems with which is the male star not being able to get wood yeah you know you don't like that well she a told lot, us you don't like it she told <laughs> us what it was about uh ginger did she said they were all coked up yeah there's a lot of blow yeah, was, which I, makes sense yeah so that's gonna be embarrassing as fuck for the guy you know, somehow it all leads to uh, Tony, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Lance Armstrong. Well, they should have <laughs> never used the footage. It does, like, there's footage where this guy never gets a heart on. He's, mm -hmm. he's banging her and his dick is, like, half limp. Right. Like, he's, like, barely shoving it in. He's, like, pretending it's amazing. Like, you shouldn't, that's it. That's a terrible piece of work you did there. Like, that's yeah, not sexy. I guess that's you're not, right. That doesn't get you excited. It's like getting drunk before you go on stage. It's like, can't you just wait? 
Yeah, yes. An hour. Yes, son you of know, a bitch. You know what I mean? Really. It is a sad thing. Well, it's a fun thing when a guy's drunk on stage and he's having a great time. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen Kreischer hammered on stage, killing it. You know, I've seen, I've seen, you know, videos of guys pull it off. Ron White pulls it off. But it's sad when you're drunk on stage and you're not doing well. Yeah, That's it's hard. That's sad. It's but Ron difference. is a good drinker. Ron is one of my buddies, and he is like, he's a classy drinker. He's, yeah, like he's a, a black belt. Yeah, he's, he's excellent at it. But, he's a black belt in drinking. Uh, but in the porn world, back especially in the 70s and 80s, like, you know, blow back then was like considered, I don't know, you, you said Adderall. It was kind of the Adderall of our, uh, you know, of our time. And uh, people just did it. You know, it was like fun and it kind of got them up and, uh, you know, it's a sexy gig. And so they, uh, you know, maybe they overdid it. But still, I mean, hey, you know, I'm sure that blow was a lot better than the shit out there now. You think so? I think they had like the real stuff back then. Yeah, I think it was a lot purer, more like, you know, that was like the heyday of like, you know, just powder. It's funny that they just accept the fact that it's going to be cut up. It's like what, it's the, it's the so coke? coke is so it's yeah. such a watered down drug. Everybody accepts the fact that it's been cut up. Yeah, well, it's just you, universal. You can imagine, like you ever watch those shows, like you know the drug ink, like when they show the guys making it in Colombia, mm-hmm. you know, and they just chew on the leaves. Like I wonder yeah. what that's like. I've yeah. had that. I've what, had that, that good? In, in a tea form. Oh, yeah. Okay, they take the, the those leaves and just make a tea out of it. Oh, I, it's it's very uppy. It gives you like a an up. I didn't like it because what I didn't like about it is I couldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, yeah, it was, Can you imagine the brutal. podcast if you were a on that? Tea. Oh, it would be brutal. I, I even uh, I was with Stanhope when I did it. We uh, we did mushrooms. It was the day of the Iraq War. Oh. It was uh, <laughs> we were in the desert tripping our balls off, and uh, I was drinking this tea. And the, I drank the tea first, and the tea kicked in before the mushrooms even kicked in. I was like, wow. this tea is killing me. Like, how do you guys even like? Uh, he is like amazing. This he's like the Den- whatever the Timothy Leary of this shit. But <laughs> how do you guys tea? How do you get that? I mean, like, what, uh, I got it uh, from a buddy who had just gotten back from Peru. That's how yeah, I got Peru it. Yeah, Peru is the place. Yeah, Peru Inca, Inca tea. They chew those leaves. You know what's fascinating? The Coca-Cola is the number one importer for coca leaves in this country. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they, they literally take the coca leaves. That's like one of the, the secret ingredients in Coca-Cola. That it used to have cocaine in it. That's like one of the, the big things. Well, it doesn't have cocaine in it anymore, but it's still, they still use the extract of the coca leaf. Wow. And they, they have like some deal with some medical uh, manufacturing firm that uh, that takes not manufacturing from extraction firm that takes uh, the leaves and takes the cocaine out of them. Uh-huh. So Coca Cola gets it. They they use it for like the flavonoids or whatever the fuck they use mm-hmm. that makes it uh, taste a certain way. And this company uh, makes cocaine out of it. I, I read this whole article describing uh, how it's all done. It's, it's fucking bananas. So they have like a special take the fun out of the yes. machine. Yeah, what they're yeah. going to do with weed pretty soon. Yeah, that's There's right. Jewish people. I was going to say that in Israel, they're doing that thing now <laughs> where they're taking out all the fun of the weed just for the medicinal. Why? Like, uh, yeah, really. It's like a Odules of weed or <laughs> right. something. Yeah, well, they're they're figuring out that there's different things that do different things inside of uh, marijuana, and one of them are CBDs, I guess, and those those I don't know something else. But it, <laughs> it's not like they're not exactly cannabinoids. It's or maybe it is a cannabinoid, but it's a non-psychoactive one. But it does it helps it helps you, different yeah. ailments. Well, marijuana is like very healthy. Yeah, that's to what, eat. That's that's a hemp. Yeah, right. not even hemp. Like the actual plant itself, if you could juice it, if you juice hemp, it's really good for you. 
If you, you know? were like, let's say, like a doomsday prepping question here. If you were like in a place where there was only like pot plants to eat, you could eat them. Oh yeah, you can okay. eat them. They're okay. super nutritious. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. You can make like a salad out of them, and it wouldn't get you high at all. Well, but what about it would a be cereal? Really be healthy. <laughs> I guess you'd, you'd have to try it out though. Oh uh, okay, because that would be kind of cool, like a little like pot cereal. Yeah. You know? Pour some uh, soy milk on it or the cocoa. What's the stuff that you guys are doing here? Cocoa Cafe. Cocoa, cocoa Cafe. Cafe. This is That'd some stuff great. that they sent me. Um, it's uh, it's it's coconut juice or yeah, coconut water be mixed c- with uh, coffee. Espresso. That would be, yeah. be so cool for your kids. You'd have to be the worst parent I'm or the coolest this. parent. <laughs> but it was like, kids, time for school. You know, here's some of your pot, I mean, <laughs> cocoa, yeah. coffee. I think it's hard enough being a kid going to school high. Really? <laughs> oh my god, that's suck. delicious, dude! It's go, it's great, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's like chocolate yeah. milk. Do you want one of these, man? Oh, uh, sure. That's yeah, they great. Sent, they sent me a couple of cases. Where do you get? Can you just get ass. these like anywhere? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called. It's called Cocoa Cafe. Oh my god, it's like chocolate milk. I like the yeah. packaging too. It's man. yummy. It's excellent. It's yummy. It's very good. There's a lot of these um, coconut water combinations that really suck a dick. Wow. Some of them are terrible. Coconut water and vodka is pretty good. That's what I drink. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a good yeah. good taste. The but a oh, lot of these companies have great? like Sweet. shitty. They have shitty taste in coconut water. You got to get coconut water. Like the reason why C2O's coconut water is the most delicious is they get their. It's a totally different coconut tree. They get their to- coconuts from Thailand, from one small place, one plantation, and the coconuts. The trees are like a short tree. It's only like five feet tall. It's a totally different tree. Like you picture those big, tall coconut trees. Those apparently taste like dog shit. Okay. Like that's, that's most people are getting their coconut water from those. But the, the boutique places like C2O, like C2O, they're, they're really cool. And they send us uh, free shit too. Um, and they have the most delicious coconut water. It's like very sweet. I like it, man. It tastes good. But ultimately, you can't fuck with fresh coconut water. You ever get it like right from a coconut? Every time I go to a Thai restaurant, that's why. If if you go to a Thai restaurant or even some Chinese or whatever, but you can, they have fresh coconuts, Mm -hmm. and I never knew this, and they just split the top off, and Mm -hmm. it's delicious. Then you take a spoon and you eat the white shit. Mm -hmm. What is that again? The white shit in there? It's coconut meat. It's coconut cum. Sorry. It's really super healthy for you too. That especially that water. That water from a fresh coconut. It's just oh. It feels so good after you've worked out. It's delicious. Yeah, to this day, Coca-Cola still imports cocoa leaves, which are used to manufacture cocaine in the United States. Isn't that nuts? I didn't know that. Yeah. Hey, I'm for it, though. I'm for all legalization of all drugs. Colorado, they just legalized the uh, recreational pot. And Washington. And And Washington. Washington. There you go. It's going to be interesting to see what the federal government decides to do about that. Yeah. They step in and decide to start arresting people. I think they should leave them the fuck alone. That's what they should have done just, a long time ago. Yeah, just let it happen. And I mean, the problem is it doesn't ever seem like anybody wants to relax. The, in this country, yeah, yes. everybody's always trying to rest. There's no, there's no relaxing of laws. It's like an acceleration of laws. Especially the other problem is that the economy's down, and when the economy's down, it's hard to. St- tell people you know we're gonna change laws and Mm -hmm. put people out of work who are law enforcement officers because that's what would happen i mean if you if you all of a sudden made marijuana completely legal and you didn't need dea agents to chase after weed you'd have a lot of fucking unemployed people there's there's a lot of people that they're they're a lot of arrests if you look at all the arrests there's millions of arrests attributed every year that are marijuana related and those all equal Law enforcement officers have to work, you know, the people at the jail. There's like lawyers, court fees. There's there's money to be made in keeping it illegal. And so that's one of the hardest 
parts about making anything legal is the money behind it. But it how, seems... does it, how does it work? Like, you live in Colorado, okay? So you want to uh, buy some pot. So what do you do? You go to a store? Is there a truck? You flag it down like an ice cream truck? Well, what, I think it's going to be you're going to have a certain amount that you're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's the only medical setup in the country that where they allow the growers to make a profit. In oh. California, you're not supposed to make a profit. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So in California, like when you see these big places, the, those are the ones that get shut down because, you know, they're making like X amount of millions of dollars mm-hmm. a year selling pot. Well, you're not supposed to be doing that. And oh. when you do do that, I think the only way to do it is you have to give all the money back to the community or you, you, oh, you know, ridiculous. make it. <laughs> Make it so that all the money goes to charities or you know funds or so there, there's some sort of a workaround where you, you get a um, a fair wage for mm-hmm. working there and everyone including the owner would get a fair wage and then the money has to get distributed. Colorado doesn't have it like that. In Colorado, you could just make money selling weed. That's how it should be, man. Yeah, because that'll be like you know the oh, pot barons. It's you know, farming, man. That's yeah. what it is. It's fucking farming. This idea that it's different because it's a drug, that it's so stupid. There's plenty of drugs available in this country. To pretend this country is anti-drugs is one of the dumbest fucking things ever. Everybody looks forward to doing drugs in this country. Yeah. They look forward to drinking. Mm-hmm. They look forward to smoking. They look forward to having a cup of coffee. These are, all of these are drugs, you know? Yeah, it's like let the people be adults, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's so much uh, you know, pain and like, suffering out there. You might as well, like, if this, if this takes some of the edge off of that, let it happen, you know? Yeah, you're not going to stop it by making things illegal. You're just going to create an industry off of keeping it illegal. The well, only way you, you get people to not do things is through education. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's their own personal education, like they have to watch people fuck up. You know, I, I've never done coke. Uh, I've never done coke because I watched people who, when I was a kid, who did coke and their life fell apart. Yeah. I saw it happen. I was like, uh, keep that shit away from me. But well, Plus, you're an athlete. So, I mean, like, as an athlete, you, got, you can't do certain things. If you have Coke's is certainly a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. But, but a lot of athletes do it, man. Yeah, like in the 70s, like a lot of the sports guys, especially like uh, baseball, you know, hockey, those mm-hmm. kind of, those kind of, they were like, they were uh, racked out on that shit. So I'm too impulsive. I don't trust myself. Really? If, I, if I really enjoyed it, yeah, I don't yeah. trust myself. Right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to have anything in my system that's addictive like that. Because it seems like cocaine is very physically addictive. Yes. Yeah. Heroin. Yeah, rough. Very physically addictive, right? Heroin. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about that one. That one I could see being. Uh, uh, what's called? They should. Uh, if people have a heroin addiction, they should have the needle exchange and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But yeah, nobody should promote heroin. I mean, you can't bake it into a cookie. There's Unless no fun to it. You're a musician. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, well, <laughs> then it should be a law that you have to do. It. <laughs> you should you at least try it. Can you imagine if every musician had to do heroin? <laughs> like some of that bubblegum shit out there, it would have a whole different, whole different take on it. You know? Yeah, no kidding. There's the the nothing shook up the music world more than heroin. Yeah, those and marijuana. Guys. Yeah, I, I guess marijuana right shook that. it up a lot too. But there was the, the bands who did heroin had very specific sort of. They had like a, an, an intensity and an emotion and an honesty to their their stuff that the bubblegum people. You know, if, you, if it's weird if you go back and listen to like Buddy Holly or something like that, great music. Yeah, but listen to like what that guy was doing, and then you know listen to Nirvana. Listen oh, to right. you know listen to the, what about the Frank heroin Zapp? people. Frank Zappa, I mean. Alice oh, in yeah. Chains. 
That guy was on every. I, I think Frank yeah. Zappa was like almost the, uh, you know. Yeah. It was like a one-stop shopping kind of, of drugs. <laughs> I mean, but he was on cool drugs too, like ecstasy yeah. and uh, you know, I guess uh, LSD stuff like that. His was tapes he? were the worst or the best. When I, I don't really when, know, so I'm, I don't want to say, but I when, think he. What? When I was 15, I would listen to Zappa tapes in the church parking lot, and just that you know, first time smoking weed, and you're just like listening to his yeah. crazy shit. It was like watching. It was like virtual acid trips. That Yo. guy is an artist. That guy was. Really, there's no one like that guy. He, yeah, he was, he was really very good. unusual. I got introduced to him when I was I was probably like 10 years old. My friend's dad was into him. He was wow, really, what a Matt, cool dad. Yeah, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Mm. Yeah, he was the guy. I remember the dude drove a Saab. This was like <laughs> 1970. Dude had a Saab. I was like, what is that thing? That's a crazy-ass car, and he was into Frank Zappa. He's just a cool-ass dad. Well, that's the whole thing about like this whole now, like with rich people, you know? It's like... You know, how much money do the rich people need? I guess now, like, the ultimate perk is a private jet. But back then, it would have been, like, a car, you know? Well, you, you have get, a butler. You, you know? get obsessive, <laughs> I think. You look at some of these uh, hedge fund guys mm -hmm. where they were uh, talking about there was one guy whose wife got some of the bailout money. Because the bailout money, a lot of it was in the form of loans. Oh. And this guy was worth who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars. But they showed his house. They like zoomed in on his house in the Hamptons, and it was just fucking insane. Huge, it's right? It's just craziness. This guy, I mean, you can't even call it a compound. It was a castle. He had a castle. He has a, a, a castle in the Hamptons. See, I don't even like that when I go to a hotel. Like, if it's too fancy, you know, like uh, whatever they, you know, Four Seasons. Or yeah, something. like I like I don't do any. I don't rate any of that. I don't. I don't it's not in my ride or anything. I like a hotel where I can do my laundry. That's what. That's like the <laughs> ultimate perk for me. It's like if I can do my shitty laundry because I'm on the road so long, then I feel good. But there's some hotels where like everybody's like, oh yeah, this is you know, get a massage and all that kind of stuff. I'm not into that. Courtyard Marriotts. They yes, always. Yeah, it's like a little house. Yes, a little home it. away from home. Yeah, yeah. Courtyard Marriotts good spot it's a good middle ground like uh when i toured with norton and uh artie lang you know we're on the uh, anti-social tour you know those guys i think uh they like it a little like more i think they like it better when it's like that i i just don't like it you know but uh we usually all stay at the same place and that's a fun tour because you know those guys i mean yeah they're just great good guys. guys and uh you know we're all so old now and like uh you know we've all been through the ringer to some degree and norton is just incredibly fearlessly funny and Artie is naturally probably one of the best comics I've ever seen in my life and uh, you know uh, it, it's just fun to hang with these guys because now we're at that age where it's just like it's just fun to be around guys that you know and you can just fucking you know just fun. enjoy it yeah. yeah and we play these casinos and like you know it's like our biggest thing is like where are we going to eat you know let's eat you know like that's yeah, the big, yeah, yeah. that's the big fun of the night you know? It's so fun going on tour with friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really makes it, the whole experience way better. I just did uh, San Francisco and Seattle last weekend with Fitzsimmons. Oh, he's one of my yeah. best friends in comedy. Yeah, I love, love that guy. He's we had great. A, we had such a good time, man. It was so fun. He is one of the most underrated comics. Yeah. because his comedy is so it's so good. It's so dry and funny and well thought out. And uh, you know, I know this turns into a big stroke fest about comedy, but. If you're anywhere where Greg is touring, go see him because he really is a great comic. I like him. Yeah, he he killed it. He killed it in San Francisco and Seattle. It was awesome. He was really, really fucking funny. It's that attack style Boston comedy. Yes, too. yes. You know, we started out together. If it's a month. we we're like a week apart from each other. Boston is like turning out to be. This is the you know, the the generation of the Boston comics. You know, you, Greg, Louis, of course. 
Nick DiPaolo. Yeah. Know, these are the guys. You know? Well, there was a lot back then, man. It was a very unusual time as far as uh, like the development of stand-up. You, you had one area where you had so many clubs and so many comics in this one town. Like, you could go to... I would, it always ama- amazed me. Like, I would go to, like, Pittsburgh or Philly, and I'd be like, where's the scene? Where do you guys go? Do you got a Knicks comedy stop? You got a Stitches? Nothing. They didn't have anything. Nothing. That's, like, we had so many places to go. Like, if I knew, like, open mic night was a Sunday night, I knew that if I went to open mic night, I would see Teddy Bergeron. Right. I would see, you know... Uh, uh, Tony V. Tony V. Guys. Yeah, all those guys. They'd be working out. They'd be hanging out. They would go up and do sets. You would see them, they would do sets on Sundays and Monday nights. They would go up at the end of the show and, and perform. I mean, it was like a real community of stand-up comedy. But it's not like that even there anymore. It died. Yeah, there's, I was just at the, at the theater in Boston. And, you know, if you want to run around and do other sets, there's really not many places at all. And yeah. if you're starting out there, I can only imagine how you do it. You know? I don't know what happened. I think that they overdid it because every other place, like, you know, there's the Hooky Lao and the, uh, you know, the place in Chicopee, like Chinese food restaurants were doing right. shows that, like, the crowds just, I guess, got babied or, like, you know, spoiled. And they're like, there's plenty of comedy out here. I don't have to go see it. And there were a lot of, like, you know, for every good comic, there's like three or four hacks, you know? So yeah, that's true. I guess after a while, like, you know, uh, they always say the cream rises to the top, but, you know, it's a pretty big rise. There's a lot of guys who are just, you know, ecking by with their, you know, clapper joke. You know what's interesting, part. though? In the beginning, there were less bad guys and more good guys. If you go true. back to, like, the Jimmy Tingle era, Jimmy Tingle, Barry Crimmins, Tony V, mm-hmm. Lenny Clark, the, that era, they're, they're all killers. There was, like, more great comics back then than there were mediocre guys. Wow. You know, when I started out, I started out in 88, and I got to see, I got to see, you know, like some of the best comics ever, like the local guys. Yeah. I got to see them, like, all the time. There was so much good comedy in that one place. Mm-hmm. There was, I would say, it was one of the rare instances that where there was more good comedy than there was bad comedy. The thing that always got me about the Boston guys compared to the New York guys, and I hope I didn't say this last time I was on your show, but they came to New York. You guys all eventually came to New York. And you guys were ready to headline, like, almost immediately. Whereas the New York guys, like, we were, like, years away from headlining. Like, we were just trying to, like, work the weekends. It was a slower process because there was just too much, uh, I guess, open mic, too much, uh, you know, too many comics and not enough stage time. So you really had to fight for the stage time. But you guys definitely knew who you were. You you had an act. You had a perspective. And then you uh, definitely, you know, came to the scene and it it made it way better. It made it way better. Well, you know what it was is that Boston guys had a chance to work long sets. We would do, um, we would work for like uh, the Comedy Connection had a bunch of gigs and Barry Katz had a bunch of gigs. All these different people had gigs and they were all over the place. And you would Mm -hmm. do 45 minutes. You can do an hour here, half hour here, 45 minutes here. So we weren't just doing the short sets in town. When, cool. I, w- when I went to New York and I saw that everybody would d- take a cab and go from one cr- ca- crowd to another crowd doing seven minutes here and seven minutes yeah. there, I was like, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Like, well, I'd that's how we go. lived for years. Yeah. So even when I lived in New York, I did almost all my sets on the road. Yeah. I did all my sets in Connecticut. I was like, I can go to do a John Schuler gig in Connecticut mm-hmm. and make 150 bucks. 
Or I could go do a set in the city and make like 10 or something like that. Whatever. What did Dangerfields paid the most? They paid like 50 or something, right? Well, like Governors, which is on Long Island, that's kind of where I kind of started out. I just recently was there. And the guys who run Governors now are so pro-comedy, so pro-like, nice. uh, you know, supporting comedy, bringing up new, new talent and all that kind of stuff. And it's really great to see because for a long time, you know, like the outline clubs were really just like, you know, Jersey, the island, Connecticut. You know, you just went there for money. Yeah. And now it's like this is like a good place to work out. You know, well, like, Governors was always really good. That yeah, was, Governors was a top-line club. Yeah, that was always really good. And um, – the the uh, the brokerage remember the brokerage the brokerage pub yeah yeah that was a great place too there was always a lot of good places to do stand up you know of course rascals mm -hmm. it was rascals east end rascals down the shore rascals it's such a heartache because that was a great great club and uh, you know you talk yeah. about Jersey that was like the place where like Dice would come in and Dom yeah. and all those guys they would come in it would be a big event you know yeah yeah you know? I remember it was I a, would go see guys there when I lived in New York and someone would say you know hey uh, this guy's gonna be you know at uh, at Rascals, like we would drive wow, to Rascals really? to watch the show. Yeah, because it was a place where you could see someone do a real long set, right? You know, like at Caroline's or something like that. We get to see them do like forty five minutes or an hour. Yeah, Caroline's and Gotham are really the big like you know you get to do an hour in yeah. the city, and um, they're great. And you know it's hard on the crowd, I think, just to some degree because. You know, there's a lot of, like, expenses of parking and food and all that kind of stuff. But right. at the end of the day, it's kind of cool that you get to see, like, we just work with Amy Schumer. She's so funny. She's so good. Like, I saw her at Gotham, and she fucking rocked out. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be playing Caroline's down the road. And, uh, you know, I, you always like it when you get to do a long set in your hometown. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love Gotham for that very reason, too. I just, I, I never really did many sets at the other places. Like, occasionally I would do, like, Boston Comedy or The mm -hmm. Cellar or or the comic strip, but it just, it always seemed to me like I, if I could do a long set, it would be better for my act. Well, the seller now has like become this, like, uh, I guess you could call it like the, uh, the Alamo of comedy. Like people come in, they just take a picture of the front because of Louie, you know, Louie has like put it on the map. Right. And uh, Louie, who's probably one of the best comics ever, he, he goes down there and does sets and rock and, uh, you know, Chappelle when he's in town and, uh, I guess there's other guys like Aziz and things like that. So you do get to see like some celebrity comics there, but the majority of the guys working there are like pretty hardcore headlining, you know, top of the line comedy. And the people who run it are, you know, they're for comedy. Like they're not promoters. Like let's, you know, like turn this into a, you know, you know website or right. kind of, you know, cartoon or something like that. Well, they must feel so fortunate when that does happen, when you get a place where a bunch of great comics like Louie yeah. and Chris Rock and all these different guys and you show up and decide to do sets there on a regular basis. Oh, I bomb there, I'd say, every other time. But uh, <laughs> for the other guys, it is a great experience. Every other time? Yeah, because, like, I never try and do, like, I always, you know, when I, back in the day when I would go on the road, I'd be like, okay, I'm back in the city now, and I want to do, like, something different. I want to do different jokes. I want to, like, you know, explore comedy, you know. And that involved bombing to some degree. So I would, uh, you know, do the stuff that I knew wouldn't work, but I still <laughs> thought was funny. And the crowd used to roll with that. But now, nowadays, the crowds are not like that. They really want to see a performance. They want to see it tight. Like, you ever on stage sometime, you're like, oh, that one didn't turn out. And you can see in the crowd, they're, like, kind of disappointed. I'm like, don't worry, guys. The next one will be funny. Don't worry. I don't think a lot of people are aware of the process. The, right. The, the, the creating new material process, which involves a lot of risks. Yeah. You know, and they, they, I, I just throw them in my sets, and I'll do like exactly. uh, new the, bits. I just chuck it. them in the middle, and mm -hmm. and whether or not it works, we'll we'll find out. But sometimes they don't go well. <laughs> sometimes you're not exactly sure what the right the right order it is for mm -hmm. the the you know the, the pieces in it. And 
like we were talking about Doug. I saw him at Caroline's probably like a year ago. And he was up there just basically, he had just done an album. He was in England. He was like coming off of like a hardcore tour. And he was up there. I, I would say he was doing like, you know, he was doing his job. He was getting laughs. But he also was doing just like some thoughts, some things that he just wanted to talk about. And as a fan of comedy, because I wasn't a comic, I wasn't, what you know, thinking I'm going on. I was like, this is what I love watching. Like when a guy's like just thinking it out and he doesn't know where it's going to go. And I think that's kind of cool and exciting. But for the fan, like especially people who've like, you know, they've seen comedy on TV or they like know one person and then they come and see these unknown people. They, I always feel like they're disappointed. And I, and I <laughs> used to get really angry at them, but now it's like, I just feel sorry for them. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if you got to see the stones, not to equate like what we do to like the stones, but like them working on start me up. Like, yeah. I think that would be cool. You know, Well, this is the only stand up comedy is the only art form where you really need an audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. To, to perfect the bit. Absolutely. They're, they're involved in the creation process. Cause as, they laugh things evolve and change mm. and as you feel them enjoying the bit it's really hard to, for anybody who does, has never done stand-up to describe that feeling when something's killing like you know the timing you feel where to jump in you feel where to let things sit and you really need an audience to do that yeah and I always like when you push it past the point of funny to like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. then, you know, the next time you're like, okay, so that's the end of it. Yeah. So then next time I'll pull back or, you know, go, go in a different direction. That's just my, I guess, process, if you and, will. You know? And sometimes you can go further. Sometimes you, yeah. you can, it's, there's different days where you have a different amount of enthusiasm in, in, in chasing the, the darker aspects of a subject. But people don't like dark the way they – your crowd is cool. Like, they like comedy, and they see the funny and sadness in, in life. But I think the majority of, like, young audiences who've never failed at anything, it's kind of, like, weird when you when you do a joke and, like, it does – there's not, a, like, a win or a happy ending at the end. They're like, oh, <laughs> Well, you know? as long as it's really funny, I think – there's less tolerance for self-indulgent angriness today. Oh, see, well, Because yeah. I think people are more aware of what it actually is now. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, someone would say something shocking and fucked up, and people would go with it and go, oh, he's an edgy comedian. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the majority of people are aware, oh, no, that's just a fucked up guy, and he's, like, pushing your buttons by saying something shocking. But it's not, there's no real thought behind it. He's not really trying to say anything. He's just trying to make something shocking, make it work, use it right. as a tool to get a reaction from the crowd. And people don't want that. But, but dark, great humor, it's, it's, fucking, it's always funny. If it's funny, it's funny. It's Stan so Hope's shit is still very dark and very hilarious. Incredibly dark. And like, uh, you know, people talk about like, you know, develop a following and all this kind of stuff. It's like what does the that people mean? who follow Stan Hope are really the, you know, the darkest motherfuckers out there. God bless him, because uh, he really does not, he doesn't sugarcoat any of his shit. You no, know? I love him. His new C CD is fantastic, too. Yes. It's one of his best ones ever. And that's what I think about him, man. He always bangs out, like, a new hour, like, every year and a half. Yeah. You know, whatever. Constantly working. Yeah. It's so important to have a guy like that around. He's to all guy. of us. To all of us, yeah, it's, we we all like Louis. It's a, important to have a guy like that around. Guy's Louis, got a crazy another, work ethic. Another guy who every year or so has another hour. And yeah. Besides that, like his crowd is so connected to him that uh, you know I, I feel that his stuff, you know, it's so personal that like somehow they relate to it in a, in a whole different way that I I can't even understand. You know. Yeah. He well he de he develops like different parts of his actual. F Real life, yeah, puts him in there. It's fucking a downer, dude. Huh? <laughs> Guy's got a TV show. Step it up, huh? Uh, 
<laughs> people don't like hearing about people suffering anymore. I know, right? They and want uh, positive energy, especially since the secret. <laughs> but you got to give comedy uh, bones for one thing. During that whole like New York thing, Broadway shut down. Um, the Big Apple Circus, no way. The only thing rolling out, uh, funny-wise, was comedy, and uh, I thought that was good. I, I was like proud to be a comic. I was so like, the yeah. seller was rolling out with a generator. They were rolling out with a generator. They were closed the first couple of days, like everybody else. But then they like, well, we got to do some shows. And uh, I think Tom Papa was behind that. Who's another really good guy, really really funny guy. And uh, uh, this new club, the Stand. They were doing shows to candlelight, so that was like you can't get any oh, more cool. Renaissance fairy oh, than that. That's you know? sick. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I've been on stage before, and the power's gone out. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, strange. Because now you're just a guy talking. You yeah. have no microphone. You know? Heffron did a whole set to candlelight once. That so, would be a cool CD. Yeah, John Heffron said he was on stage, and the power went off, and it was pretty clear it wasn't coming back on, so he just did the whole set to candlelight. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. It, it was a little... My act is so filthy dirty that it, the, the romantic candlelight situation does not match <laughs> feels the scene rapey. there. Yeah. It's really, perfect. You know, I'm somewhere between candlelight and a cross burning. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. A campfire. A and campfire. And a tarring and feathering. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I have to tell you, man, uh, you rocked out on the porn show. And I, I don't want to be a whore and just talk about porn. But, uh, you know, this is the new season. and Dave's uh, old porn on yeah. Showtime. And and I got to say that, like, uh, you know, having you there, it really helped me because I knew you had my back with the porn. And uh, we watched <laughs> some of Ginger's greatest clips because we had, like, so much Ginger Lynn, you know, clips, loops, movies. And, like, you got to give it to her because she's like a, you know, she's like, I guess you would call like a Delta Force of uh, of porn stars. She was out there. And, like, once she got into it, she was into it full tilt, you know, anal you know, three ways, all that kind of stuff. John Holmes. John Holmes. She's banging John Holmes. I mean, like, just like, you know, you forget that, like, in the 80s, like, there's a crossover between, like, the 70s people and then the 80s. And Ginger and Christy Canyon, I think, are the uber babes of the of the 80s. And I have both of them on the show. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's a win. Yeah, Christy Canyon was there when we were leaving. Yeah, Christy uh, is with Mark Marin, And that's a whole different ballgame. That'll be later in the season. But uh, I just did their radio show on Playboy Radio, and uh, it's really cool, like, because uh, they're out there, you know, they're uh, still talking the talk, and they're sexy. I mean, I, there's a sexiness to them. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> they still get me, you know, going. They're they're hot, you know? Even though they're a little older. Hey, what are you we're trying all to say? older. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying that they're fucking, uh, you You're know, ready for a, a Christy Canyon ginger. I wish. I, I, I said to Christy, I go, I, I've had a crush on you since, like, 1986. You know, it's just crazy. But uh, she is, like... The, you know, I don't know. She's beautiful. You think you had a shot? Please, no, come on. Nothing, no. nothing there. No, I no think support. that a lot of those girls, like, you know, it was the hair bands of the 80s. And mm. then I'm sure a lot of uh, movie star kind of guys, you know, all that kind of stuff. But They're uh, probably tired of dick by now. They were like, please. The I last don't know. Thing I think that they're. Offer me is some dick. And when I was in uh, San Francisco, Serena, who was, I think, one of the hottest women ever to do porn. She's a uh, redhead, strawberry blonde. Uh, Serena, who was, uh, you know, up for anything, man. Like, her scene's never boring. And uh, she came to my show when I was working at Cobbs, and it's just cool to hang with her, you know? She's just really cool. Isn't it weird that they're still making porn? If you really Some stop of them, and yeah. think about it. No, that's not what I mean. I mean that anybody's still making porn. Oh, that's porn. right. Isn't there enough to jerk off to? There's I mean, how many fucking enough. videos do you need? <laughs> it's like there's no way you could ever possibly see all the porn that's there. It's like buying books and you haven't read any of them. 
Yeah, like we could have built like a uh, like a uh, a seawall with old porn around Manhattan, and it never <laughs> it would have been as dry as a bone. If you stop and think about it, how many porns have been made? Like millions uh, and millions of porns. There's no way anybody has jerked off to all the porn that's ever been made. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a specific category that you uh, automatically go to? I don't know if we talk about it last time, but like. I love uh, amateur casting, you know, any era, but I love it from the 80s and 90s more than now, even though there's like four or five different like uh, genres for casting. But uh, Pierre Woodman, who's a French dude, he used to do this thing called private casting, and I love his stuff. And, uh, you know, if he was in America, like I would have him on in a second, even though like I don't think I could show any of his stuff. It's too, too late. But uh, I, I like the retro stuff now a lot more than I used to ever like it. And, you know, I guess now that's like the new kink for me you know people love that amateur shit like where you know they come in for it because it's like this is yeah. the first time ever and they, they're awkward as opposed to like the girl who you lift up her skirt she's already fingering her asshole yeah and, yeah you know, she's, she's like, training yeah trained she's just already there and ready to go and you know like oh my god this is like the thousandth thick you've seen this week <laughs> this is not special yeah for you. you're just is... doing an act <laughs> well when we were doing ginger show uh like just luck of the draw, we we pulled one of her tapes where she did her first anal, Woo. and we were like, "Whoa, yeah. this is amazing!" You she know, had a big like, hairy box back then. Too. Yeah, but we both. You said that you didn't really mind the hair. Doesn't is that bother true? me. Not at all. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, no. it was. She's so cute that she could get away with a nice little tuft. You it's know, like it doesn't matter. They're hot. Like I if, mean, if there was like a lot of like asshole hair, yeah, the legs, yeah, that's a little too much. Some, I mean, if you date like one of those Eastern Bloc women, darker mm, ones, yeah, you can only imagine that iron cur- curtain pussy. Like that must be crazy. Ugh. There's got to be some hairy bitches up there, especially up north where it gets really cold. Oh, yeah, like a uh, vampire or something. Uh, <laughs> the, the upper legs. Mm. Mm. But yeah. I, I would have to say that uh, you know now with shaving that a lot of the younger girls are. Uh, Letting it grow out a bit because uh, it's cool, and Ooh. I think they realize that like, fuck, what am I doing this for? You know, it's like honestly, you know, it doesn't I've, have to be shaven. Shaving's weird. The Except vagina, the, it beats everything. So. Crabs, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, crabs can hide in there. But I think what they do is they do the strip. Most of the girls will they'll do diamond, you know, mm. and uh, I think that works. That's the best way to go. But you're right, the anal hair. That's yeah, you got to bleach that's that. That's a problem. And trim that out. Get some illegals in there. Isn't it, it weird that every girl? I mean, it's, it's sort of just universally accepted that hairy legs are disgusting. No one bucks that trend. Yeah, Esther. <laughs> Esther doesn't she, her, shave she her legs. She has longer hair on her legs than my chest. What? Wow, how did she get away with that? She uh, just wears pants all the time. Wait a minute. Are you serious? I, I swear to God. Esther does not shave her legs. No. Or, or armpits. <sighs> but when you watch like all these like old school things like Game of Thrones or something like that, you know, think about it. Every chick was hairy. You know, yeah. like just f- disgustingly. But hairy. they didn't look hairy, like the the the, the hot mother, the mother to the uh, new oh yeah, king. yeah, she's oh, hot. Yeah, she's really hot. She doesn't look like she has hairy legs. I no, bet she's no. she's not period friendly. <laughs> you know, it's not the corset it's not, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, she's not in the correct. Uh, did they shave their legs back then? No. no, no, not at all. I wonder when that started the shaving of the legs. I think the early eighties. Soon as someone realized how hot it was. Yeah, they're like, why fuck? I mean, you have legs. Why, it really is hot. Why fuck? Yeah, it's the hottest thing ever. It's a weird thing. Girls with long, hot legs, shapely legs. Mm. Mm. Oh, How about when the girl just shaves like Dave. up to the knee high? You know, like they'll just shave like what they need. Yeah, and everything else is like this incredibly yeah. disgusting forest. Ooh. Yeah, Ugh. it's hard being a girl. So that's yeah. all we can get out of that. It's way harder. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Plus, you can get pregnant. You know? Yeah. Could you imagine? 
every time you have sex, all of a sudden it can mean another person's growing inside you. Yeah. What a fucking drag. Mm. Meanwhile, guys don't have to think Pop about it loads. ever. Just, yeah. just our design is to just go shoot them off. Hard the loads. Undeniable impulse to constantly be shooting off loads. Well, here's a bit I was working on, which uh, maybe you can help me out with. Is uh, the hot load? You know how guys <laughs> always assume their loads are incredibly hot. So do you back away so that it, by the time it hits, it's a lukewarm kind of a, a nice feel? Well, you know? if you're courteous, you blow on it. You blow. <laughs> Fever loads. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. You shoot a load in their face. The least you could do is treat it like a like a soup. Take a step back so that there's you know some yeah. of the fire you know the fireball. Isn't it amazing that you can blow on soup and it actually cools it off? It, it's great. It's, Isn't it amazing that you can br- blow out hot air or cold air? You can just go, and it's hot. Can you get it hot? And then you, it, or it's cold. I like how do you that. change it? Like, Ooh, I didn't know that you could do that until right now. I didn't. Yeah. Re- I didn't even serious? realize that. But he's right. If you do, like you get it from like the the deep inside your body. Is that it? It's hot. Right? How, you can, it never runs out. You yeah, can keep like, on doing it. I can barely breathe, so I'm gonna have to go on your. Dude, that's your... totally true. I know. Strippers did it on my crotch through my pants. Oh, you week. son of a bitch! <laughs> there you go. Are you a big strip you club guy, dude? Son of a bitch! I used to go all the time. Now, now I feel like uh, you know what's I the lost point? Here, here. I don't. I don't care about like you know. I heard I, I heard uh, you were the only person I ever. Somebody told me that you really liked the body shop in uh, Hollywood. I was and there I, when, during the fire. They had a fire there. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. The next day they had like this incredible that's right, that's fire. That's the story. Yeah. yeah. You were, what, what did you say? Yeah, and no, I didn't really I don't really like the club, but uh, that was definitely one of those clubs where like, hey, you can walk to it. You know, like you're on oh the, the place strip. across the street from the store. Yeah, like yeah. you go play the comedy store. You want to do something, so you're like, hey, you go over to the body shop. But I went there like uh, one or two times, and uh, I would say that you know the girls were really hot, but I feel like a lot of them were not like pros. A lot of them were just like party girls who wanted to make some coin and you know we went there there was like girls and guys came with us so like they were all over the girls and the guys you know like like watching that for some reason i never really give a shit about that but um i I would say it's a good club you know yeah i remember that somebody somebody told me you like that club and then you said like the next day after going to it burned down and you're like great the the one place that i found that burnt down jewish lightning cocksucker (laughs) yeah it was crazy yeah that place was across the street from the comedy store but we only went to it like twice yeah. And it was only when someone's in town. It's like, hey, you want to go down to the body shop? Mm-hmm. And it was always somebody else's idea. I don't like places that don't serve liquor, strip clubs that don't serve yeah, liquor. Yeah, they don't I'd serve any liquor there. I, huh? Yeah, I would like to have alcohol. They make you buy two Cokes. Well, you they know, like a $9 thing. water? I yeah. used to have a bit about it, vagina, vaginas and alcohol for some reason. It's just a volatile combination in California. <laughs> they just, uh, yeah, yeah. They, you can't see that. Like, you could have a girl could have a bikini bottom on, show your tits, and you could barely keep it together for a, with a beer. But if you have like actual alcohol and see a vagina, there's just be too much chaos. Well, that's why I want to go to Thailand at some point because supposedly Ooh. they have like the ultimate, you know, like stripper bar, bang bang girl. I heard soapies. And- have you heard of soapies? <laughs> no. Uh, some some guy just told me in Columbus uh, we were there, and he he said uh, there's these things called soapies where you you lay down oh, and they, I know they put about. soap all over yeah. you, and then they get completely naked and they just they Wash rub you. your body with their body, like they just yeah. lay on you and squish around and stuff like and that. And do you shoot loads? Uh, no, and then they dry you <laughs> off, and then you fuck them. But, Whoa. Uh, yeah. That's, wow. a, that's a you, lot of time. And you pick out, low, uh, when you first get in, though, there's like 30 people, and they all hold up a number, and you pick which one you want. That's for a guy on vacation. Yeah. That's that's a that's a, still going on, or was that something yeah, in the still 70s? Going on. Like no, it's still going on. <laughs> the Vietnam War thing. It's still going on. I was actually looking at flights from uh, Ohio, like just to see how much it was. It was $1,200. But You're going to go to Thailand? Yeah, but but it was a 24-hour flight. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck that. I'm not 24, 24 hours? 24 hours. 
hours. That's got to be a weird flight because oh everybody God. on that plane is a pervert. Oh, yeah. There's nobody going there like, hey, you know, I just I'm going to University of Thailand. Is it really a 24 <laughs> hour flight? Yeah, I didn't like, know a plane could stay in the air for 24 hours. No, I think there was a layover or a, a stop somewhere. I think, but yeah, oh, I've been Vatican. on a 16. That's I, a weird one. <laughs> I've been to uh, Australia, which is a 16. I think. Yeah. I've never done that flight, man. Oh. I, I got to do that at some point. I've never it's done one of those comedy festivals crazy. in Australia or South Africa. I heard South Africa. That one's fucking amazing, and uh, the Australian one is like, how long has that been going on? Like 15 years, 20 years now? It's really bad for you. What, the Australian flight? flight. The oh, yeah. flight is bad for you. I just did the Brazil one where I went uh, 11 hours from Brazil to Miami and then five hours from Miami, and I got sick, and I never get sick. It's just like... It's Flying will make you sick. Yeah, it's terrible for you, and you're, you're constantly around other people's fucking diseased yeah. coffee breath and shit, yeah, and people are spitting and... Touching things. It's like being on a submarine, but there's really no uh, glory to it. Yeah. You know? It's just super bad for you. There's something about that recirculated air, too, that just really diminishes you. It's supposed to be better. And flying just stinks, and it's getting harder and harder. No, Brian, it's not supposed to be better. No, I saw a special on it that they said that the air filtration systems in planes are so amazing that it really does. It's actually really good for you. Well, this is what it is. That air that comes out of those little tubes is actually a very clean air. Those things oh, where you okay. blow on you, yeah. that's actually very clean. Oh, However, you are in a tube right. where there's no fresh air, and you are recycling everyone's breath. And that's the problem. That's why you have that tube on you the whole time. Well, that can help you, but the, the amount of air that's in that is limited, and it's all being recycled with people breathing out. That's the issue. Is you're, you're constantly around other people's breath, and it doesn't really have anywhere to go. And so the, there is like a recirculation, there is a, a fil- filtration, but you're still going to take in breaths filled with other people's shit. Yeah. There's no way around it. That's why the farts smell so bad on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Someone farts on an airplane, it's not even like farting in a restaurant. It's like farting in your face. It's mm-hmm. like, it just is nowhere to, for it to go. That's why like when you're stuck on the tarmac for like five hours... And you realize, like this place, this plane is built only for the air. Yeah. That like the toilets start backing up, and there's no, you know, yeah. no air, and you feel trapped. I get incredibly claustrophobic on the plane. So, you know, once that door shuts, I'm like, fuck, dude. Now I'm now I'm in this tube now for the next six, seven hours. Oh. Well, it's a part of our job to be on planes on a I regular it. basis. It's not the best part. But back in the old days, like when it was all like just torn like road, like driving cars, you and another guy. That yeah. must have. You know, I've done like a lot of that, and there is like. Even though it takes a while, there is some fun to that, you know. Like, this fun if it's a good comic. It's a yeah. fun guy. I, I mean, did I a like lot it. of main gigs with a lot of Boston guys. We did a lot of driving up to Vermont and shit like that, four and five hour drives. Yeah, like, it was great. It was a lot of fun. But now everybody's so like you know PC and all that kind of stuff. It's like yeah, let's stop and you know go apple picking. There's really <laughs> no like there's no like adventure to it. You know? <laughs> everybody's so PC. Yeah, it's like nobody. I want to pick up a Delph China set for my mom. You need. Uh, to, I'll go on tour with you. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you feel like you're the last of a dying breed. Um, self-destructive comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's kind of hard to explain to the new guys like the the road to them. You know, like a lot of them are like I hate the road. I've done two gigs. I'm like two. And you hate it already? <laughs> you <laughs> you got to do about 2,000 before you get that real good hate of it, you know? Yeah, Joey Diaz and I have been on some fucking adventures across this great land of ours. That guy has been on the road, like, before, 
I don't know, before the road. I mean, like, he must have started out working, like, you know, state fairs and shit like that. I mean, he's he's hardcore. Yeah, he's like that Johnny Cash song, The Highwayman. He's done this in other lives. <laughs> he's done this in other lives. But I bet you he's like me. He's probably more comfortable on the road than he is ever at home, you know, because I never feel like at home I'm like, ugh. Joey's most comfortable, I think, on stage. Oh, okay. You know, I think he just wants to, I think he just loves getting out there. Yeah. He's just a hustler, too. You know, Joey's always got something going on. Yeah, well, that's the cool thing about it, man. It's like, you know, uh, this, the good thing about comedy is that, like, you know, every day is a new day, you know? Yeah. And, like, you can, you know, it's really up to you to make it happen. And uh, everybody's like, if I only knew the right guy and if somebody read the screenplay, it's like, yeah, but that's not about comedy. Comedy's about, like, getting funnier and yeah. just getting out there, really. That's, that's what I tell the kids. Everybody's like, how do I meet an agent? I'm like, why? So some guy cannot take your calls? It's like, <laughs> right now you're doing more for your career going on doing seven minutes than this douchebag's going to do for you ever. So, you know. At the end of the day, it all becomes about that engine. The engine that propels your life is your, your work, your, your comedy that you create. Yeah. And everybody is wrapped up on getting auditions and getting a show and getting a series and getting all these things, which ultimately are not the best thing for your your stand-up. Yeah, no. Oh, it hurts your stand-up. Yeah. Sit you were on a sitcom. Sitcoms kill your stand-up. You were on a sitcom, right? It's like, did, did you feel funnier no. after you did? No. I felt less funny, first exactly. of all, because I had to work long hours. Mm -hmm. You know, you were on the set long hours a day, and I got lazy, and I stopped writing material. You know, and there was no encouragement. You know, no no one thought. But the producer even said it to me once, like, "Why, why are you still doing stand up? You're an actor now." Yeah, I, I, I hate like, when oh, they say that. So crazy, but but it's great money, and that, so that's why everybody wants to do it. But it, ultimately, the real money is in stand up. I mean, the real happy money because you're you're doing what you actually enjoy. Being on a bad sit. Have you ever been on a bad sitcom? Fuck, I, I've auditioned for every I think bad sitcom that never made it. But, <sighs> I, I don't even do acting like that's like the least thing I could give a shit about. I'm like Ugh. in my late 40s now and I'm like, dude, I, I could give a shit if I ever get on the Big Bang Theory or any of that stuff. <laughs> I know guys are like, if only I could get on there. And I'm like, you know, I'd rather be able to say what I want to say when I want to say it, where I want to say it. Then for low money, then be on a sitcom where I walk out and it's like, watch out, fellas, it's time for breakfast. You know, like some well, some some line that has been overwritten by a bunch of guys I don't know sitting yeah. in the writers' room. You know, so maybe I'm a, a dick. I don't know. It's just like it no. does, never it never it never excited me enough to be do that. And like I always was like pegged as the guy like the setup to the funny guy, and I hate that. Like you know, <laughs> you know, like you know, what are you doing, Waldo? And then he would say the funny line, and I'd be like. <laughs> you know, like, wah, wah, you know? we, we were uh, I think a lot of comics sort of led in that direction in the 80s when mm -hmm. you saw like Roseanne and Tim Allen and these guys go to have series and Seinfeld and these series make millions and millions of dollars Absolutely. so that became like a direction where everybody was sort of like thinking well I, I guess I gotta do that I guess I gotta do that um, and then the idea of just being a stand-up was like nobody appreciated that. Nobody was like, "Oh, he just wants to be a stand-up." They'd be like, "Why? Why when you can do movies? You right. know, why when you can do a sitcom? Why when you can do a television show?" But there are some guys who are like legitimately like you know I'm a stand-up, but I'm oh, also yeah. an actor. So I give it to them. Like oh, yeah, I'm not putting wrong them down. It. But like Seinfeld, who was really a stand-up, who became an actor, went back to stand-up. So like that's what he does now. He does his stand-up. Roseanne, I think, is like so creative, you know, like all over the place that she could do stand-up if she wanted to. But I think once you make that TV money and then going back to stand-up, you feel like you failed. But you shouldn't because it's like it's fun and like you should see the fun in it, you know. 
Well, we're, it's, it's sort of like the only art form where you're expected to transition and turn from a caterpillar into a butterfly. True. Whereas if you're a rapper, nobody's expecting you to go into movies. You might, you might go into some movie. But right. Most, most rappers just essentially stay rappers, and that's where people love them. Well, but I think all the rapper guys, they want to be like an action hero, you know, like kind of guy in, the, in their head. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because I, I don't think they're making that much money rapping anymore. Nobody makes any money, you know. Off the CDs? Yeah. Off I think they do on tour, though. Yeah, on tour. That's where the do. real yeah. money is. But yeah, I think they definitely want to. And they have that incredible rapper confidence. They're like always so confident, you know. Comics aren't that confident, you know? The opposite of comedy. Yeah, exactly. You can't have, like, a, a guy who's self-hating himself as he blows away a dude where you can AK-47. You can if you're black. Okay, that's true. There is some there is a racial thing to it. It's that's a cultural true. thing. Exactly. You know, It's very different. That's why, like, uh, you know, I would say that comics who do sitcoms, and I know a lot of them who did sitcoms, when they come back to the comedy, they're always like, you know, I'm a little rusty. I'm like, are you really? I mean, it's just like you should have done stand-up the whole way through, you yeah. know, and it wouldn't have been that way. I know a lot of guys who quit. Kevin James basically quit. You really? Know, he occasionally goes on and does these shows with uh, Ray Romano, but once he started acting, wow. he just uh, really doesn't have the time for it anymore. He does a lot of movies, too. A lot yeah. of, uh, like kids-friendly movies. And that, that to me, would be the worst to be, like, in a kids-friendly movie. Mm. And then you have this dirty, filthy act. You know, like, <laughs> I think that happens to Tracy Morgan a lot, where they see him on 30 Rock, which is like a, you know, you know, it's a smart, funny show. And then they see him live, and he is just fucking out of control. Right. You know? <laughs> I did two of Kevin's movies. I've done, uh, I did Zookeeper, which is a family-friendly movie. Mm-hmm. And then I did Here Comes the Boom, another family friend. But I played myself in that one. Okay. But, you know, Kevin's been my friend since we were like, we started out together. He was a great comic, too. Yeah. Very funny comic. That's why it kind of bums me out that he doesn't do it that much. You yeah. Know? A lot of people don't even know. I uh, started with him on Long Island, and he like always knew who he was. Eastside? Yeah, uh, well, Eastside and Governors. And he, uh, him and his brother, who also is a comic, Gary yeah. Valentine, yeah. They, they were there all the time. And, uh, you know, but Kevin was, Kevin and Ray, they kind of like, you know, are like soul brothers in a way, even though both of them are the whitest guys. Right. And they, they kind of have the same comedy. You know, it's like very, it's endearing. They don't want to offend anybody. It, they don't want to yeah. offend anybody, but it's still like Ray's comedy is still really so well written. Like, yeah. you know, from what I remember from the past, I don't know. I saw him recently. Now. He did uh, one of those, um, Kevin and Bean does, they do an April Foolishness show uh-huh. in LA and he did it, I think two years ago. Oh, wow. And okay. he, was, he was great. Yeah, he should be on the road because he's a funny guy, man. Yeah. I know he's he got a lot of kids and you does know, the mirage every now and then. All right. They, they, him and Kevin do like gigs together. And I think he was doing a new show, but it was like a drama, right? Wasn't he doing like a yes, he was. Show? It was uh, uh, not men behaving badly, but men of a certain age. That's yeah, what it was uh, 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 executive produced by Michael Royce, who uh, is a guy I started doing comedy with, and huh. he's a great guy. He worked on Louis' uh, first show on HBO. He's worked on Ray's show. He's a great writer, and uh, he was a comic too. So you know, how cool. did you get from stand up to this? idea of uh, doing porn showing old was this your idea yeah this is my idea and uh Stuart Bailey who is the executive producer of the show we uh we pitched it to another network and they said no and uh you know they they we made the pilot with them and this is years and years ago now so uh they said no uh but it's too dirty but it's funny and then I went over to Showtime and that's what we did and it really is kind of like you did it it's a two-dimensional show it's me and the comic ragging on the clips and like basically just dick joking it around, unscripted. We didn't script anything. And then 
we go right to uh, you know the tribute part of the show, which is bringing out the legend. Or in some shows, I bring out young porn. So it's like the last show of the season. I'm going to give it away now. We got like Asa Kira, Jesse Jane, Caden Cross, uh, Shawn Michaels, who's uh, uh, one of the coolest dudes ever to do porn. You know, uh, he's black, but uh, he he is so cool. And uh, he uh, it's really weird for the dudes in porn, especially like guys like Shawn Michaels. Uh, you you got to give him a tip of the hat because like. You know, they are definitely, you couldn't have porn without them, but yet they don't get any of the credit, any of the money that the chicks do. So it was great to have a guy like there, uh, like that on the show. And he's so smooth and so just like charming and interesting. And then Andy Dick was on the show <laughs> and Adrian Curry, who is really, really cool. Just was, like guys. Was chick. Andy Dick sober? Andy Dick was sober and he was a little disappointed because I didn't have much retro gay porn, but I did the best <laughs> I could. And there's a lot of retro gay porn out there. It's just, I wasn't sure what the network would think about it you know guy on guy you know peter north is a funny one because he's love famous famous for loads yeah famous oh. for giant loads absolutely frothy loads it's pretty ridiculous yeah. the size of that guy's loads oh amazingly like uh just whatever it is a banana clip he has on the bottom of his dick just like 50 <laughs> 60 loads in there you know yeah, I, mean, I tell you, Joe, that ZMA shit really has affected my loads. It's humongous now. Zinc, really? Yeah, zinc and magnesium. It it boosts your testosterone and makes your loads more frothy. See, that's the cool thing about you guys' show. It's like helpful tips, you know, like well, Dr. Oz stuff. We're trying to sp- spread a little positivity there, <laughs> David Tell. We're trying to enrich the world. We're trying to power up people, get them excited about life. God damn it! But get the them dudes, fired up. dudes who do porn, like. Uh, Ron, you know, Jeremy, Ron Jeremy, of course, one. we have him coming out. Herschel Savage, uh, who else? John Holmes. John Holmes, not here. You know what Carbon was interesting? Uh, how Ginger Lynn was very proud of the fact that John Holmes always got it up with her. Yeah. Because that was the thing with John Holmes. He had this giant rubber dick. Huge. And it was, a lot of times, it would be like half hard. Mm-hmm. But with her, she's like, he was always excited. That's good. She was very, very yeah. proud of that. Yeah, it's I would like, be too. She's a real like she's a real trooper. <laughs> yeah, she really is. She, like she was proud of her work. That wasn't just like punching in at Wendy's. Exactly. You know? and, she was doing some art. And uh, you know, with with the with the dudes in the porn, like there's so many great ones. Eric Edwards, um, who I didn't even know he was into it, but if we do it again, I'm definitely getting him on it. Uh, Randy, uh, oh, shit, what's his name? Up and comers. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Randy, blah 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 blah. He he's known for <laughs> up and comer series. Uh, I don't you know, know. Uh, uh, he was the one who banged Jenna Jameson. Up and comers number eleven. It's probably one of the best known scenes in in uh, in porn. So oh, I'd love okay. to get him on. You're talking about Jenna's first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Randy, I forget his name, but he's not a good looking fella. I, I think he's good looking. Yeah, he doesn't have a very big dick. Seems like a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, he's like a regular guy. Yeah, regular and, guy. And, uh, you know, like you said, Peter North, uh, Joey Silveria. He's he's a fucking, he's, he's a genius. He's great. It must have been a weird time for those guys, that, that 80s porn, because there, no, there was no real 70s porn. I mean, it was so rare. It was like, you know, you had Deep Throat and mm-hmm. Behind the Green Door or whatever. Was that that movie? Yeah, yeah Behind, Behind the, the Green, Green Door. Whatever it was. Randy West. Randy yeah. West. Sorry Randy West. There you Thank go. you. So, I mean, all of a sudden, these guys come along in like the 1980s, and it's, it's just p- crazy porn. They become stars. V- it's the VHS era. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a, a world that didn't exist before because the porn that was done before that literally had to be streamed as a movie. You had to have a projector. Yeah, it was a movie. Nobody had a fucking projector, and they're going to go reel to reel, and ugh, too much nonsense. But when a VHS tape came along, 
change that game. You could just stick that sucker right in the, the VCR, which everybody had in the 80s, and oh, yeah. everybody started watching porn. And there was the whole section that you would go to with the video. I remember my mother was very upset when that came out. Like, oh, this is just right here? You had a great <laughs> first porn story. I, it was like... You know, I asked everybody who comes on the show, I go, like, do you remember the first time you saw porn? That's like the big end of the interview. I'm not an interviewer, you know, I'm not yeah. like Charlie Rose or anything. But your your story was interesting where you said, like, you were at a buddy's, you went over a, either a buddy's house or, like, you just found his porn or something like that. It was, like, an uncomfortable situation. I don't remember it. I but it, it was, it was a very you. good story, and, uh, you know, I'm going to turn it into an animated series. <laughs> awesome. Everybody's first porn. I mean, uh, I remember finding porn in the woods, like magazines. Yes, we, we both talked yeah. about it. I was in the Scouts, and there would be, like, fucking yeah. <laughs> Well, I lived in Florida, and we, we lived near this. Uh, I, I lived near uh, in Gainesville, Florida, and it was uh, my dad. You was and Todd Barry. University of, really? Yeah. I think Todd Barry's from there. It's uh, a lot of alligators around there. There's a lot of woods. We'd, we'd go out in the woods, me and my friends, we'd find like snapping turtles and shit. And we would, <laughs> we'd make slingshots. And we would always find porn. Always. It would be wet bags of porn. Ew. Like a plastic bag tucked under a log. You know, we, we found a bunch of that shit. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It went from that. That was the only way you get it. It's magazines. You know? Mm-hmm. And dudes always had to be half hard. They yeah. couldn't be fully hard. They had rules. Like, you couldn't have a full heart on. So, scene after scene would be this girl who's, like, pretending to be in total moaning ecstasy, spreading her pussy apart, and the dude would, like, lay his dick on her like a drowning victim. <laughs> you know, it's like this poor, like, dead dick. And I was like, what, what is the message here? I think it's so important for young kids to see magazine porn, because it really is... It, first of all, it's adult, yeah. but it's not, like, real porn, so it's not, like... You're not gonna blow his head out, yeah. you know. It's kind of like just enough, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like a, it's like the training wheel of porn, you know. <laughs> it gets you started. Now, yeah, like you don't want your kid to immediately go into like hi-fi, Wi-Fi, download porn, you know. It's like here's a magazine, you know. It's Hustler. It's great. Take a look, you know. I remember Pretty that rough. feeling that you'd get when you found a Hustler. Like your oh, heart God, would yeah. race. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, Whoa. <laughs> You'd be, you know, ch- turning the pages. Oh, like, man, jerking off, to just reading the art, reading the jokes. Yeah, yeah and it'd be like a drip of saliva from his tongue to her dick. Oh, You'd yeah. be like, what Spit the sling. fuck am I seeing? This is crazy. She's going to suck his dick. She's going to do it. Well, the cool thing about uh, the girls today in porn, if, I know we're talking way too much about porn, but I appreciate it. It's very few places where you can talk about porn. <laughs> so uh, we, we had Joanna Angel on and Rob Zombie and Judah Friedlander to do this, like, horror porn. And I have, like... The worst horror movie porn. It's like, you know, the good titles I couldn't get rights to, and the ones that I have are just like joking, cheesy, fucking bad porn. But uh, Joanna, who's like a you know, super hot punk chick, you know, tatted up, really cool, and a great businesswoman, by the way. She runs her own company, makes her own films. You know, she's watching this porn, and she's like, you know, this is horrible. Like, this is like, you don't shoot dick that way. And it was cool to get her perspective on it because she's a director, you know? But, uh, you know, I was like, wouldn't that be cool if, like, uh, you know, they could redirect these porns, like, to today's standards? I think it would be almost impossible, you know? <laughs> that would be a good idea. It really would be cool if they could, like, whatever that is, you they, know, they uh, don't remake, IMAX it or something. They don't remake porn, do they? They don't, they don't like... They like, reloop it a lot. Well, they know? did a lot of, like, Debbie Does Dallas's, and they did a... You know, they've, they've done the same movie, like, over with different people. 
Yeah, once they hit a like a theme that works like deep throat, sore throat, sweet throat, they do like a million versions <laughs> of it, you know? It is different if you watch the old porns compared to today. Like they're they are definitely better at filming shit and showing you more and better angles and stuff. Like a lot of the old porn was like a little awkward. Yeah. Like you couldn't really see what was going on. They like what looks good and what feels good is two different things sometimes. And so sometimes, like, someone has to, like, turn sideways and they're having sex in, like, a, an angle, like a sideways angle, just so they could show you the genitals better. Right. Whereas they didn't really do that nearly as much in the old days. Brian's leaving. He's oh, done with this shit. shit. He's got to go jerk off. He just went totally. He can't take it anymore. <laughs> he's calling it a piss, but uh, it's going to yeah, be I white. I think he's going to rub it out. He's going to bang one off. But I think with the old porn that uh, that doesn't happen today is that you have a lot of guys who did old porn that were really actors, you know, and that really? the, that the old porn was like to pay the bills. And today, like you have a lot of guys who are just like everything, and they do porn, you know, like right. they're uh, you know uh, personal trainers. They're all these different things. They all want to be actors. I think. I think at some point everybody wants to be an actor who does porn because they got an amazing confidence to be able to fuck in front of other people. That's like just like balls, you know. Something happens, I think, to a lot of people when they first come to L.A. where they have this idea that they're going to make it in show business, they're right. going to be an actor, and then they get out here and they see what a process it is. Oh. They see the 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 infinite field of gears and machines in front of them they're going to have to get ground through before they pop out on the other side and some people just they lose they lose hope in it pretty quickly yeah that's the thing man there's like all those people who are like an extra on like an 80s show like a team or something like that i'm always wondering like what happened to that guy what happened to this chick you know like where are they you know but i assume they're around in la you know just making it happen you know just trying to get day-to-day, bill-to-bill, whatever. Yeah, isn't it funny that when you used to be someone famous and then you aren't, it's sad. But if you see someone and they were never famous, it's not sad. No. If they're they're normal, yeah. If a regular guy with a regular job at a deli, he never gets sad when you see him. But Mm -hmm. if you went and, you know, one of the guys from different strokes is in a deli you'd be you'd feel sad i used to get that all the time and you know i'll only say this to you because i think feel like we're both you know in the same kind of boat here it's like after i stopped doing the insomniac show people used to come up to me all the time and go like what happened and blah 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 and i was like well we were just done doing the show you know and like they're like how could you ever be done doing tv you do tv forever and to some degree they're right but i was also like i don't want it to be cheesed out like where it keeps going and going and going and people would be like you know come and see me live and they're like you know, like, oh, uh, this guy's a failure in show business. When they, in my head, they don't know that, like, I could give a shit about television. It was really about being able to do stand-up because I did stand-up before the show, during the show, after the show. And that was really my dream. Like, if somebody said to you, like, Dave, you can never do stand-up again, but you can have a shitty reality show, I'd be like, fuck you, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it's like, I, I, loved, I loved the ability and freedom of doing stand-up. And, yeah, there are know, a lot of people that think you're a loser, though, if you have a show it's their and it canceled. It's their dream. And mine wasn't canceled. It was, uh, it was just like, we're, we're done doing it. I Did mean, you get tired of doing that show, too, because people were constantly trying to get hammered with you? There was that, but there was also, like, the, the real, like, and I'm, I'm pretty business-like, you know, when I work. It's like, it was getting harder and harder instead of easier and easier to get access to things outside of bars, like, you know, working late, stuff. Um, like really just cool like events like we would either get there like a, a week late a week early for folks and, who don't know Insomniac was a show that Dave did yeah, on Comedy Central. it was on Comedy Central where it was really cool he would do his show and then he would go out and you know the, the, the idea night would be that he's an insomniac you go see what the fuck's going on at night. and I really am an insomniac and uh, the sad part about it is being you know I don't drink anymore so it's like being up 
for three days editing porn and like having to do radio and all that kind of stuff. There's no uh, fun in that kind of up. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you don't like doing radio. I I love doing radio when it's somebody like you or like. ONA, Stern, like where I get to like just talk about other shit and just be funny. A lot of these stations that they have me on sometimes, like these soccer mom stations, there's a lot of stuff you can't talk about, but then there's also like, you know, they want jokes. Like when I do yeah. Bob and Tom, I love doing those guys because they are older dudes. They know porn. They know all the porn things. And like, you know, there's definitely some standards there, but it's, it's not, I can work with it. I love it, you know, and I like being able to be, I'm pretty good on my feet. You know, I can talk about a lot of different things going on in the news, whatever, politics, all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I like that. It's, it's exciting and it tests me, but when it's all about like, you know, you did this and like, you know, give us a setup for uh, you know, the football game and shit like that. I, I don't like it. You know, there's not that many really good radio people. Out no, there. that's a, why the podcasts a, are cool. A dozen or so in the whole country where you look forward to them. There's a few guys and different radio stations where you go. Oh, this is going to be a fun show, but it's well, a lot of a lot of bad, guys, unentertaining. There's two radio. guys in San Francisco. They're gay guys. I don't oh, those know. guys. Yeah, are they're, awesome. they're great. Yeah, yeah, they those are guys are amazing. <laughs> and Johnny yeah. Dare, who we call, who I called Johnny Blaze last time. I just did his show. He. Is so uh, he's cool because Johnny knows the porn people, he knows the business, and he's a lot of fun, you know. So I think it's great that uh, you know. Yeah, he has a fun show. Yeah, in that's Kansas, Kansas City, City, right? Yeah. Johnny Dare. Yeah, there's shout a, out. There's a there's a bunch of good radio still. You know, uh -huh. Kevin and Bean in L.A. is still one of the best. Yeah, there's just you know, it's a dying market. The radio is slowly getting absorbed. The, when I say a dying thing, what I mean it's like that morning fun personality that really Howard Stern invented. That's not that common anymore. Like that's no. slowly being phased out by these Jack FM channels and canned sort of shows and people that, you know, quite honestly, they don't really have that engaging a personality. They just know how to keep things moving along and sound like a radio host, play the right songs, well, it's that take the quick breaks. You would know it better than me. What is that, that like computer that tells them like, you know, they can tell when people aren't listening and listening. Yeah. So they're yeah. that. They're, they're yeah. kind of like stifled by that. So there's yeah. probably a lot of cool dudes who now have to kind to like suck the man's dick to keep the show on the air and it sucks yeah it my it man willie and last willie in um in uh denver yeah uh the, the the thing that they try to do when they you try to put a, a formula to something you can't put a formula to something being entertaining and the only way you find out if someone's entertaining is you got to let them be themselves right and when you start fucking with this and tweaking that and changing that people that are that are people that are creative understand what's going on there that it's a, it's a stifling sort of but the people that are uncreative they just trying to fix it just, we're just trying to make more money with this we're just right. trying to make this a better radio show well uh, we we need a girl we need a sidekick the mm -hmm. the, the number show uh, women don't feel represented on your show like you just it's got to be good it's got to be entertaining and the only way to find out if it's good or entertaining is to for someone's actually got to be allowed to create the show it's like it's got to be the vision of one or a couple of people. As soon as you start adding producers and non-creative people in there, right. you're going to fuck it up. It's going to fuck it all up. There's no way around it. Every show I've ever done where the show wasn't doing well and the producers came in and the executives came in and they had notes. Oh, those fucking notes were terrible and they ruined everything. Well, you know, like you said, uh, it's got to be someone's vision. Like Ron and Fez. These guys, like, I listen to them, yeah. you know, and, like, they definitely have a point of view or perspective. And there's, like, definitely a chemistry with the people in the room there. So it's 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 intriguing to watch. Same thing with, uh, you know, Nick DiPaolo and Artie Lang. They got yeah. a sports show on. And, like, sports, unless you're a hardcore sports guy, you know, 
it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to listen to it. But they do like a fun show about sports, and both of them, who I respect the most as comics and as just cool dudes, uh, it's cool that they got a thing together and they have a great, I guess you could say, like back and forth chemistry. So DePaulo's one of the most underrated comics exactly. in the world. Exactly. He's amazing. DePaulo was one of the guys when I was uh, starting out. I was like an open micer. Nick was already in it a couple of years, I think, one or two years. And he was already solid. He was already working. And uh, I remember he would be the first guy. He's this big, fucking muscular football player. guy, yeah. Handsome motherfucker with a mm -hmm. full head of hair. And I was like, oh, you can look like that and still be funny? Like, I, I, you know, I thought you had to, you know, be like awkward or strange or. He he, his stuff is so well written, oh, yeah. and it comes at it from such an interesting perspective. For a Boston guy, like you always feel like he's a true Boston guy, yeah. but his stuff is like so uh, sophisticatedly fucking evil. I love it, <laughs> and you know, angry and, and yeah. yeah, like pure anger, true yeah. anger. And I always find that's like the ultimate funny, like just like somebody who's like really fucking angry about something. You know, I like that so. The world needs more angry comedy. Yeah, and Nick DiPaolo, dude. Check him out because he's fucking cool. And, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of young guys coming up now that I work with who I think also have the same heart and soul of these, like, you know, J Big J, Kurt Metzger. Um, yeah, Mike Metzger's Vecchio. very funny. Mike Vecchio. Kurt has some of the funniest shit I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, he's just now working his way through the system. But, you know, I took I worked with him in Nyack at the uh, Levity Live. That's a great club, by the way. Oh, what did that used to be? I don't know. It's in the mall, so it was an IMAX or something. There was a gig in Nyack way back in the day. I wonder if it's the same gig. But Levity Live is like those are the same mm -hmm. do, that do stand up live in Phoenix. It's yeah, all... I couldn't fill it out. I, uh, I couldn't fill it out. But I brought. Uh, uh, is it a big place? It's it's probably like five hundred seats, and uh, they're making I, these big giant places now. Yeah, but do you like it? Because you could definitely fill that kind of. Thing. I did the the stand up live at Phoenix. I yeah, I love that. Loved club. it. That's it was the club. biggest club that I've ever done. Like yeah. it felt like cool, but staff. it still felt like a club. It didn't yeah. feel like a theater. It's, it's and awesome. I like working downtown Phoenix. You know, everybody used to pl play the Tempe Improv, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. fun. But I like downtown Phoenix because that's like the heart of the fucking. You know, that the town is. That, that's a hardcore town. It's a know? crazy town. Yeah, so you get like a whole different crowd now. It's not just college kids and whatever. Yeah, you know? that's a Wild West town. It is, yeah. yeah. You can carry a gun there. Yeah. You but people don't realize it. how nutty Phoenix is as a town. We were in uh, Scottsdale. I've never told this story on the air before, I don't think. But we came out of a, uh, a club once, and there was all these people laying on the ground. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, a guy had gotten his key from the valet, and he was hammered. And he just plowed through this line of people wow. and sent people wow. flying through the air. And we came out like literally seconds after it happened. And it was so strange because there was just eerie silence. We walked out and it was literally seconds after it happened. And people were lying on the ground Shit. and the car was stopped. And no one believed what they had seen, that this guy had just stomped on the gas and ran a bunch of people over, Shit. sent some people flying. I believe people got like seriously, seriously injured. I think people might have even died from it. it when was, was that? It was, man, I, I guess it had to be the early 2000s. Oh. Like 2000, 2001. It was when I, I, I think I first started doing the Tempe Improv in the late 90s. So it could have been around there, too. It could have been like 99, maybe. That, that was a great club. That was a great club. That was one of the best. I'm going to play the D.C. Improv, and I think that's the best improv in the country. The improv one. in D.C.? Yeah, Irvine and D.C. are probably the, the last two really great ones. Brea is very underrated, too. So I just played Ontario. Brea, but I couldn't fill it. Couldn't fill it up. How dare you? I know. I felt bad because you know why? I love the people that people didn't there. know. If they knew, they would be they would be seeing you. That's, I don't know. See, about that's that. the thing. Fuck <laughs> the fuck out of here. That's the thing about this social media stuff is like it allows people to know where you're going to be. Uh, 
I think it's the beach crowd too. I don't know. I always blame the it on like crowd? you know, like it's near Huntington Beach, so it must be like you know the surfer people didn't you know come out. They didn't something. connect with you. I don't know. People? I I never like I I never do any more excuses except I will ask what what else is going on in town, and if it's high school football and you're still not selling out, then I'm like shit. I better fucking call a cousin and get a job doing something because this is not happening. Dude, stop it. You just need to get more active on Twitter. You just need just, a podcast. If you just te- yeah, a podcast would be great. Or let us know anytime you have a okay, show. Well, we'll I, tweet it for you. You and I were just talking. We got to do like I just want to hang with, and do a show with you. Dude. I would love I to do that. I would love to. It's do not that. about money. It's just about I want to like get in front of your crowd. I feel like your crowd would get my shit immediately. They would know? love you 100. You know? percent And no I would doubt. step it up. I would not walk through the show. I would give you my A game. <laughs> I believe you would. Or not just a couple of mid jokes and you know whatever Obama. But either way, man, whatever. the people that listen to the show would love to see you wherever you are. So just tell me where you're going to be, and I'll, right. I'll tweet it. Well, I'm going to San Diego this weekend, and I don't even really know the club, but uh, I'm looking forward to because I haven't San played San Diego. Punch yeah. or is it American, yeah, American Comedy, Comedy Club, Club or is it the other one? Oh the, shit, uh, Comedy Madhouse. I think it's the Madhouse. Madhouse. It's supposed to be great. Yeah, so I'm into doing it, and I'm going to be selling Dave's old porn shit there too. So oh. you want a hat or a shirt or a, some booty shorts. See, I yeah, show them the hat. There you go. So I'll be doing that shit. So I'll be hanging out. And, it's uh, more that people don't know you, man. We a service we offer here at the Joe Rogan Experience <laughs> is we, we use my Twitter and like we sold out. Uh, Brian Callen sold out Philly uh, really? in advance. Another the whole, great the whole week in at Helium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's never done that before. He said it was just from from Twitter, putting it on Twitter. I had well, two Columbus sold out shows because of you. It's um. You guys are the man. You are the kingmakers. Well, comedy well, now. we figured out a, a way to get through the fence, and now we're just letting other cool people through the fence. That's we found very, a hole. I appreciate it. I was speaking for the other comics. We appreciate what you do, and anything that helps good, cool people come see really raw, hardcore comedy is good. It's good for the industry. It's good for the comics, and it's also uh, you know, let's face it, it's uh, we're ending. In, nobody has money, so you might as well just come and you know. Check it out. Well, it's worth doing. Look, stand-up comedy in its best form is one of the most entertaining things in show business. In my opinion, if I had a choice between seeing a great comic and seeing anything else, a movie, a a band, I I would love comedy over all those things, like as as an art form. And it ain't ain't easy to get right. It's not easy. We all know a a lot of guys we don't want to watch. We all know a lot of guys we walk in the room, we see them on stage, and you wander out of there. That's how the audience feels, too. So when we find something that's good, we, we promote the shit out of it. Well, now that I've been doing it over 26 years, I've never appreciated more the people that get the comedy than now. Like, you know, back in the day, it was like, you know, the drinking party frat guys. Now it's like any they're older now. They're all married. They bring their wives in. They're like, what the fuck is this kind of shit? But I really appreciate the comedy fan who gets the jokes and like sees like, you know, hey, dude, I saw you with Mitch Hedberg and Lewis Black on tour. And like, you know, that was the best tour. And, you know, I love Mitch and all kinds of like that kind of shit. Like I never get tired of. So, you know, I've gotten I've gotten it a lot from like people who've seen you. They're like, you know, I heard you on the on the, you know, on Rogan's podcast. And it's really cool to hear you guys, you know, chew it up about the comedy. So there are definitely a lot of comedy fans out there. We just need you guys to like fucking come to the clubs man. well they just need to find out where you're at okay. I guarantee you that's a big part of it there's a lot of people that are huge David Tell fans they just wouldn't know that you're gonna be somewhere yeah, you gotta be really there's only <laughs> one way it's like to really reach people you, you got, it's gotta be a social media thing you right. have to have a website that you update on a regular basis you have to have Twitter and that, what about flyers that doesn't really <laughs> only in parking lots. Yeah, like just hire a guy flyer for a couple hours. Fucking flyer on my car mm-hmm. yesterday. World famous psychic. I should give out her number on the air. <laughs> should I? That was one of the funniest things I ever saw in airport security. Was a crystal ball. 
Like somebody was trying to get a crystal ball oh, through no. airport security, and they, <laughs> they took it from them. And you're like, the joke, of course, the easy joke. Didn't they know that they were going <laughs> to You know, but I mean, honestly, that was hilarious. What did they say. think it was? A, uh, a some bomb. kind of bomb, a neutron EMT blast fucking Nitrogen space. Nitrogen ball yeah. inside there. Did Warlock. you see that fucking explosion in, um, in Indiana, Indianapolis? I didn't uh, see it yet. Holy shit, dude. Some house exploded in Indianapolis. Yeah, what was that? Most likely a gas leak. Oh, see? That shit yes. happens sometimes. Uh, it happened. There was another one on my message board. A guy was saying that uh, one happened four miles from his house. Wow. And he said he could feel the blast on his chest. Holy shit. Yeah, from four from miles gas? away from his house. Yeah. Oh, oh when, yeah, there it is. I when see you picture. see what, what it looks like, that ain't shit. You got to see the overhead. There's an overhead shot. That's unbelievable. It doesn't even make sense. Oh, look at that, man. Like a drone strike. Look at that. It looks crazier. Yeah, it looks just like a drone strike or like some sort of a missile strike. Go to, go to images, and uh, there's uh, one large photo of uh, an overhead image where it shows. Um, there's one of them right there. Click on that one. Here's a video of it. Uh, yeah, but go to the go to the images just because there's there's one image that's so insane. It just you can't even wrap your head around how big the explosion was. I don't know if that's it. Yeah. Oh, look wow. At look wow. At look, at look at that. Look what at all those the houses. Fuck. Dude, there's splinters. They're, they're reduced to splinters. The house is fucking exploded. What a heartache that must be. Like, you, you come in and you see your house is just fucking or if you pulverized. Explode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah or if it happens to you. Well, that's something that we have to remember is that we have fucking gas pumping into our houses. It's amazing yeah, that, I that know, shit right? doesn't happen on a regular basis. Oh, here's a good gas story before I, I got a bolt. I got to go do other stuff. But uh, has got another show to do. Yeah, sorry, dude. Craig I really Because I, I could stay here for fucking nine staying. hours and it would never get boring. But uh, what was I going to say? In my house, I thought I had a gas leak. So, you know, I get the handy guy come in and he's like, uh, well, first of all, you don't have gas. And I'm like, you sure about that? And he goes, yeah, you don't. So then I'm like, why do I have this blinding headache? You know, because that's what I thought. Because with gas, like, you always think I'm like, right. oh, you know, like they always say you're dizzy, blinding headache. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm really just basically on deck for a stroke. <laughs> so, you know, I, I went through the normal, like, you know, I was like, it's gas. It's not me. It's like, oh, no, my brain, I'm aneurysm. Something's going to happen. There. So you sent the guy in because you had a headache and you just assumed yeah, I thought it, it was gas. You didn't smell gas? I, my my place fucking reeks of just <laughs> it's horrible. So I mean, where do I you live my, in New York? I live in Manhattan. So you what know, part? Uh, what's the address? Okay, cool. Yeah, which apartment? I live in Battery Park, right near the Memorial. Now uh, it was uh, washed out. Now it's an aquarium. No, uh, but I live, uh, you know, in in the city. So I figured it was like you know they're on gas or something like that. And it turns out it, there's no gas there. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, so then this is just uh, my neuro something, uh, you know, about to be. I'll be eating, you know, baby food. Next time, you know, shivoing uh, it. Yeah, exactly. I'll, someone will be open the hangar door. Do you live bullshit. in the thick of it, where you like look out your window, you just see nothing but skyscrapers? Everything is skyscrapers. There's no good view anymore. You got to be like Donald Trump to have a view where you're just like a deck and you just laugh. Yeah, the, you know. But everyone wants to be on the on the park. I never never got that whole idea. I, I like you know like I like being in a place where I can get in a cab and like get to the airport because I'm a comic, you know? It's, like, right. it's all about, like, getting out of Manhattan, which is impossible now because the mayor shut down all these streets and, like, there's bike lanes, there's, like, you know, unicycle lanes, there's, like, you know, you know, skip to my loo lanes. It sucks. So <laughs> This you know, is post-hurricane, you mean? No, this has, like, been Period. the last two years where they made it more, like, walking-friendly. 
And in Manhattan, honestly, you know, it's like you just it, it's so hard to get around to begin with. It just made it impossible. Is it the only city that has cabs like that? Because I've never been to a city which dominated by cabs the way Manhattan is. I mean, I can't yeah, think of another cabs. place. That's so strange where they've just decided to like, look, you can't park. Forget it. Don't we'll even park drive for it. you. Don't yeah. even try it. Just yeah. let us take care of you. Well, the cool thing about living in Manhattan is that you don't have to have a car because there's the subway and then there's cabs and then there's buses. Yeah, but you're, you're letting like, all these other people drive for you all the time. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, come on, it's not like a limo. I mean, you know, you're some guy from Senegal, is right? There, but you, you got to trust this guy to oh, just that, drive okay, you around. You don't even know this guy. True. You they never know where they're going either. No. <laughs> well, it's also it's a weird thing. You're constantly in, interacting with all these other people, like in close proximity in cabs. Well, that's why I like going to Minneapolis because it's like the whitest town with the most African cab drivers. It's the <laughs> boy soldiers. You know, they like oh. brought them over there and like they're all cab drivers and, you know, they know the town pretty well because they're pretty into not going back to wherever the fuck they're from. So they're on it. In New York, the guys are like, eh. You Do know. you remember that one year where they, they shot like 48 cab drivers in a year? Shot. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. It, it was, was like a, a serial cab. Wow. Yeah, really? It was really bad. Yeah. They were robbing cab drivers. So they would take, and that's one of the reasons why cab drivers would stop picking up urbans. Really? Stop picking up the urban kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wink wink. Um they would they would uh they would take them somewhere and they would just shoot them in the head and take all their money. Wow. It was really common. Like I believe it was like 48 was like the record one year. And it was pretty spooky for these fucking cab drivers, especially those gypsy cabs, mm-hmm. you know. There's a lot of people that are operating as cab drivers that have like different licenses or no licenses and they're just sort of sneaking yeah, around and giving yeah. people rides. Undercover shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you mean you could just sneak around and give people rides. We got that in England. A guy gave us a ride. It wasn't even a cab driver. But those like, guys gave us a deal. Don't they have to go to like cab driving school there? They have to learn the knowledge. You know, they have to like learn all the stuff. In street. England? Yeah. I don't know. In we London, a... I know they do. They have to like go through this incredible. They're also like uh, their father was a cab driver and their father's father kind of bullshit. When we were in, um, I think it was in Manchester with oh, okay. uh, my friend Dave Bishop, we got a ride with some dude who was just a, a, a illegal cab driver. Oh, there was really? like a lot of illegal cab drivers because there's not enough regular cabs. Wow. So there's like these dudes who like have little navigation systems. Like, you need a ride? Okay, I got you. All right, 20 bucks. And you like negotiate with him and you just hop in his car. It was like a fucking Toyota Tercel. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's pretty common i think it's illegal though i think they can get in trouble if they do it but it's like there's so much demand for it because there's not enough cabs hopefully porn stars start doing that since they're gonna all be out of work soon, yeah so. what is the deal now how are the porn stars reacting to for folks who don't know there's a brian said they're gonna be out of work because they just passed well, some crazy new laws not out of work it's just that they've made it a lot more annoying now they have to go outside of L.A. County to do porn. They can go to Ventura condoms. County, though, can't they? Yeah, yeah. They, can, they have to all go out. But a lot of these girls... Is it California statewide? No, it's no. just Los Angeles Los County. Los Angeles County, oh. yeah. So all well, you're going to find is made, more annoyed and more porn stars are going to be late to set. And it's going to... I don't yeah. know. I, I, <laughs> when I do the AVNs, I'm sure that'll that'll be like a a topic or something like that. But they will keep making porn. They'll keep losing money making porn. <laughs> There'll be uh, more like you know illegal downloaded porn, all that kind of stuff. So it's a lose lose proposition all the way around. And then making it, uh, you know, explain to people who don't know what it is. What we're talking about. Well, I don't really. I, I'm not from it's, here, so I, I kind of know they have to wear condoms. It's now, Prop so. B, which was uh, I think it was Prop B, but uh, it passed. And what it, what that means is they have to wear condoms now if they're doing a blowjob they have to have like the the mouth condom wow uh they if but what, what, but what sucks is they had all these hidden things built into it meaning like if you're married at home 
and you want to go on my free cams or whatever yeah, and, webcam, and show. webcam show do a webcam show you have to have like a, a permit that costs up to like something ridiculous like sixty thousand uh, dollars just to do that just to have what? porn with your own wife webcam so there's like oh, all these like hidden things that they God. put in there on top of it and everyone knows that aids is not real so yeah well but, you know, according the- to dr peter Duesberg, but we are not really we, we really shouldn't be saying aids is not real <laughs> you know the thing stupid. about the thing about making porn now is like there's such little money in it like i think a lot of girls think like i'll just do porn for a while and that that'll be like this amazing amount of money and then i'll go off and do other things but porn is like i i'd say it would be like Working like the maitre d at like a fancy restaurant, you're making that kind of yeah. money, but you're doing it in like an afternoon. But yeah. like you know, instead of working a whole week, you're gonna make that much money. And they work scene to scene unless they're a contract girl, right. and the contract girls probably make some more money and they also get a lot more publicity. But unless the girls actually uh, control their image and own their material, their chances of making the sizable amount of money, which they're due, by the way, they are definitely due money. Uh, it's very low. And, you know, I think the industry itself is going through a big transition about, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make the net work for us? Because it definitely works for the people watching. You know that. I mean, there would be no internet without porn. You know that. Well, it's an interesting thing the way it happened where they all of a sudden didn't have an outlet to make money anymore. Yeah. There's, like, no more DVD sales. They just Not completely gone. went away. I still buy DVDs. I'm, do like, you? the last guy. Yeah. Well, so what do you think – what is the drop-off? Like, how, it was an enormous drop-off. Because I used to have a lot of porn producers um, that – a lot of guys used to come to jiu-jitsu. Yeah. used to train at John Jock's place in the Valley. And they uh, they were rich as fuck. They had these big balling cars. And, and those guys, a lot of them lost their houses, mm-hmm. got their houses repossessed. That was really common. I think in porn too, people live for the moment. So there's probably a lot of guys who have money, but they, you know, like want to show it off. Oh yeah, kind of like rapper type. Dudes. Yeah, definitely. And you know, they think the money's gonna always be coming in, and like you know, might as well buy that car and like a boat. And all oh that yeah. Kind of stuff. And then uh, a lot of girls also live kind of high high up there, and you know, now they realize they're like, you know, I, I really should save some money. But at least the it's girls are still ones. getting some money. Right. The guys, the producers, that shit's done, man. It's over. I, think- I don't know how they make money now. I have no idea who's making money and how it's being made. I know that there was a big buyout on a lot of these companies where now they're all kind of under one flag and that uh, it's good and bad for porn where, like, you know, a lot of a lot of these independent producers have been bought out. Hopefully they made some money like a dot-com kind of thing, but I doubt it. And, uh, you know, now it's someone else's headache, you know, the whole, like, you know, how you get it out of there, distribution, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's an interesting business. Because, you know, I don't know much about the actual making of the porn. I just know about the licensing and all that kind of stuff. And that a lot of these titles, you know, it's a very gray area, you know, in terms of, like, who owns what, uh, who can show what. And at the end of the day, it's all going to end up on the net and people are just going to watch for free. So, you know, all that money you're spending for a lawyer, you realize you're like, I don't know, you know, is this worth it? But you want to be on the up and up and you want the business to make money. And I do. I really want, you know, this show is about tributizing not only the old porn stores, but making it a cool place for young ones to come out and show everybody that they're funny and cool and they're just, you don't need to see them naked without them being interesting and that, you know, it's great for comics to roll with this kind of shit since we all know the porn. And uh, it, it's, it's 
it kind of like is is very important for me that this show works for the industry you know like and uh at the avns when i meet the people they go oh i love the show uh, i love what you're doing for porn and i never really got it but now i get it because it's like it's a place for the people to see them do something besides fuck and yeah I to cool. see them in a positive yeah. light too exactly you know? it's a there's a weird thing with us with morals where with people look down on porn in yep. a strange way yet it gets seen and used by so many fucking people if you look at the numbers mm -hmm. the amount of people that are involved uh, in watching porn is fucking staggering. The amount of porn downloads, uh, supposedly 40% or somewhere around there of the internet's entire traffic. You're not lying, yeah, dude. So what's crazy to me is that that industry, when, when the internet boom came along, that industry was essentially... The gutted took the legs right off of it. Mm -hmm. the, the the industry fell apart. People were completely out of the business. People lost jobs like crazy. Right. But those jobs were never deemed to be legitimate. So there was never any talk of a bailout. There's never any talk of government assistance. But Chevy's okay. Yeah. We have to save Chevy. Chevy's important. Chevy makes cars. True. We need. We can't lose Chevy jobs. And so they went in to save Chevy, but or GM. But they didn't do shit about the porn business. They just let it die. They they'll always be porn and they'll always be a porn business. But they are scraping by and bank bailouts. Absolutely. Exactly. Porn, porn bailouts. No fucking way. I don't even know how they do it. Like I don't know how they do. They have backers. Do they? You know, is this like uh, you know just some money they found like from you know jungle gold digging? I don't know how they do it. But has there been a business that fell apart that's that big of a business that that was uh, that almost completely evaporated in such a short period of time. The porn, our, yeah. Besides, I, I can't porn, think of one. The I music one. business, I guess. Yeah. Porn and music, and also to some degree, I guess, the comedy. Like you know, comedy is. I don't think so. I don't think comedy's really been affected by it in a negative way. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd say the downloads and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think it helps us. I think I it gives. So. It makes people want to come see us live. I hope so. I think I so. there's for artists. I think it's switched to a live performance model for for uh, rather uh, music artists. Mm -hmm. But for porn, man, what are they going to do? Fuck live? Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe they <laughs> if, should have live fuck shows. If this was Estonia, yeah, they would They would be doing it. Why don't they do that anyway? I don't know. Have a live fuck show. Why can't, like, wouldn't you pay money to go see Dana D'Armand fuck, Brian? They like, do live ten fuck black shows. Guys? They, do, they have sex uh, shows all the time. The Where? guy in Columbus was telling me that No, he, no, no, him. but legal. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's like it a, like a, like a oh, pit like bull fight somewhere yeah. in someone's basement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like some all right. Of, yeah. Now that we've deemed <laughs> who the champion rooster is. Yeah, some guy who... You know, holding a, with a hot chick in his arm, holding up a gold bar. I got my money on. I think they have that though in San Francisco legally. I don't think so. No. They, they used to have that theater, no. or the uh, Mitchell Brothers. Mitchell Brothers. Yeah. Mitchell Brothers theater. They do things there. Mm -hmm. They would like mm. spit on dildos and shove them in you. And pee in gloves. Yeah. Either way, man, I, I I I can't thank you enough for having me on. Please, and, man, you're dude, awesome. I love talking I love you. to you. you and your, I love your, talking to you guys. too, man. Please let us let us promote your gigs. If well, you have, if you have gigs I'll, coming up, people want to know about them, and I want to tell them. So let me know anytime you're anywhere. I thanks, guarantee Joe. you, all these people on Twitter they're saying yes, yes, yes to that right now. Well, you, I'll be in San Diego, but when I get back to LA, if you're doing anything around town, let me know because I want to come out and just. You know, eat five minutes. I just okay. want to hang well, out. We'll do it. You know? Listen, when are you going to be back here again? We'll schedule a show here at the Ice House. Okay, I'll be here through the whole, whole whatever. We'll work it out, dude. We I, will work we'll, it out. It'll be good. He doesn't want to come in on air, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. It's like I, I, I understand. don't I understand. even have a schedule I understand. here. So. I understand. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we got a, we got a crazy week coming up. Um, let me uh, tell you about the dude we got tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. He's a, he's yeah. a robotics guy. Yes. He has a bunch of books about robots, uh, like pretty much taking over the world and stuff like that. Yeah. From porn to robotics. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Robotpocalypse, I think. Robopocalypse is... Yeah. Um, oh, let me uh, let me get his, uh, his 
his information here. He's uh, Daniel Wilson. He's a young guy, and he's got a PhD in robotics. And uh, he's uh, he wrote Robopocalypse, which is a novel about a robotic insurrection against men, basically like a Terminator type movie that Steven Spielberg is going to turn into a movie. But wow. he's a technology expert. We're going to talk about military robots, privacy issues, artificial intelligence, the future, on how long until we start incorporating robotics technology into our own bodies. It's going to get freaky. So that's tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. And they will probably do Eddie Bravo on Wednesday. It's all about uh, when I can uh, set up this. Uh, I'm uh, having some work done at the studio. So thank you to Matt Staggs, the official desk squad uh, publicist for, for hooking this up. He, and he's a very cool motherfucker and the host of the um, Disinfo podcast uh, as well. And um, he's a publicist, author, very, very cool guy, Matt Staggs. Cool. Is he an author? I don't know. He's an author of emails. <laughs> His emails are very well written. Thanks to Dave Attell, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Twitter, Attell, A-T-T-E-L-L on Twitter. It's at Attell, at Attell, or or Dave's Old Porn. Or just Old Porn on Twitter. But most importantly, Attell, to send him some love, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let him know you love him. The guy's, he's at Old Porn. porn. His his show is fantastic. It's it's a really, really funny show. I, I enjoyed doing it. It was fucking really fun. Thursday. Yeah. Showtime. This Thursday on Showtime. Uh, Ting, thank you to Ting for sponsoring our podcast. Go to uh, rogan.ting.com and save $50 off any of the Android devices. Some badass phones there. No contracts. Cancel anytime you want. Tell the big boys, these big networks, to go fuck themselves, goddammit. Um, so this weekend we will see you in Montreal. That shit is sold out, you dirty bitches. But there is a Death Squad show. Is it here? Friday night? Uh, Friday night uh, here, and then 12-12-12 at the American Comedy Co. in San Diego. And who is it here? Who's here? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm putting it together right now. Okay, and 12-12-12, I will likely be there for that, but we don't know yet. I got a lot of shit going on. Bitches, I'm busy, (laughs) yo. Um, Thanks to uh, Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T and use the code name Rogan, and you will save 10% off any and all supplements. If you use the code word Sandy, we will take that 10% and donate it to Hurricane Relief. Um, We uh, decided to go with the Salvation Army because we find that um, in this instance, they are giving 100% of the donations to to Hurricane Relief, whereas some of them, it gets down to as low as like 30%. That's kind of important, like when, you know, how much of your money actually goes to the, to the, not to the infrastructure of the charity, but actually goes to help. Um, Hire-primate.com is my t-shirt company. There's new t-shirts in. This is the the monkey uh, gas mask chimp. By Mike Maxwell. Yeah, Mike Maxwell did some badass artwork on this. It says Hire Primate Department of Health and Welfare. And uh, we also have another new one that he just designed that's fucking amazing. I can't wait until that one gets released. And a couple of shirts that he designed uh, that were based on posters for a Chicago gig and uh, Atlanta gig with Joey Diaz and Duncan Trussell. All right, I talk too much. It's official. I'm tired of hearing my own fucking voice. God damn it. Mad love to all you ladies and gentlemen out there in the Twitterverse, in the universe. We appreciate the fuck out of it, every one of you. All the positive tweets and all the, the, the cool people that we meet after shows. It's, uh, it's humbling. It's overwhelming. And it, uh, we, we never get tired of it. We appreciate the fuck out of all of you. And we're doing this for you guys, officially. It's, uh, we, we will never stop. We will roll on. We will get through this together. Rise, ladies and gentlemen. Rise and evolve. You are not the person you were yesterday. You are an accumulation of your experiences. Be the hero in your own life. I love all you bitches. I'll see you tomorrow.